With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, Week 12, Game by Game Review Edition. I'm your host, Ian Harditz. Great day to be great. Thank you guys for joining us as always. And by us, I mean myself and MB Fantasy Life Prodigy, Director of Analytics. The man has this company on his back like a young Greg Jennings out there, <laughs> Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. What's up, Dwayne? Oh, man. I don't know about all that, but I will take it, Ian. No, dude, it's good. Like, we got the Christian Watson magic. He can't be stopped. Uh, you know, even if it doesn't look like it's going to come through, it's just, you, you just can never lose hope in Christian Watson. Like it's going to come through. It's going to come through. Yeah. Never lose hope to when you're one to talk. He texted me as soon as Jordan Love came in saying, let's get this podcast started. And then Watson takes it right to the house <laughs> a couple of plays later. And with all that exposure, I know you have, I'm sure you were happy to be just a little bit off the mark with that one, but yes, very exciting Sunday night football game. Very exciting day, man. We had two, two point conversions go out there, get done and win their teams, the games, it was almost enough for me to forget about just my heartbreaking in a million freaking pieces yesterday afternoon, Dwayne. But you know what? This is a fantasy football podcast where nobody cares about Michigan freaking annihilating my Buckeyes for a second year in a row. We will not worry about that again for another year. Oh, I'm still so sad. Anyway, moving on <laughs> to the better point. Real quick, just top key takeaways from the three games on Thursday night. I watched them all, obviously, as we all do on the best holiday of the year. Most of those just went through Nathan Yonke's takeaways afterwards. And the big one-line uses takeaways from those games with the Buffalo Bills. Devin Singletary continuing to have his workhorse role. Very good to see. And as we see the Bills actually playing competitive games, we're seeing that result in a high touch count. Also, Isaiah McKenzie. I know it's been a little bit back in fourth but really got that featured uses again wasn't just a big game on the box score the sort of game that gets Dwayne you know going from six to midnight when he's checking out that utilization back end stuff Detroit Lions DeAndre Swift finally playing ahead of Justin Jackson but it's still very much a three running back committee which could be just Jamal Williams or just Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift still gonna have Jackson in there with the Cowboys Pollard actually worked ahead of Zeke overall but Zeke was better for a one week sample size it happens the good news is the Cowboys continue to score all sorts of points with Dak Prescott healthy and under center with the Giants Darius Slayton and Richie James are the two most involved wide receivers at this point with the Vikings Adam Thielen we finally saw him basically 
basically running the same amount of routes as Justin Jefferson all season, finally gets something at least close to that level of production. And as it stands right now, Justin Jefferson, one less yard than Tyreek Hill on the season. What a year. And finally, with the Patriots, Ramondre Stevenson continues to be the workhorse. And Hunter Henry somehow didn't catch a touchdown, even though the ball didn't even touch the ground. More on that in our waiver wire sheets report. And with that, let's move on to Sunday's action, Dwayne. The Browns took down the Buccaneers 23-17, obviously covering us three-and-a-half point dogs. The under cash at 42-and-a-half. Amari Cooper's Kings stay Kings. Basically won them the game there at the end. I saw some people wondering if Carlton Davis like slipped on part of the field turf that seemed to be messed up by like them working on it before the game wasn't the best weather in Cleveland, but at least one Ohio team, two Ohio teams actually managed to win this weekend, just not the one we all wanted. And with Cooper out there again, sent Carlton to the shadow realm and now on the year on pace for 88 catches, 1,224 yards and 11 touchdowns. Those would be career high marks in yards and touchdowns. And Dwayne, 142 targets, all this with Jacoby Brissett under center. And oh my God, the experience is over. Seriously, credit to Jacoby Brissett. He played so much better this year than I, I would like to say, we, but I don't know, at least me expected. I even saw someone tagging me on a terrible tweet I made in the summer saying that Jacoby is absolutely objectively going to be a worse quarterback than Baker Mayfield. So L taken Jacoby this year, 11th in PFF passing grade among 38 qualified quarterbacks, 16th yards per attempt. The guy has not been the problem, bigger problem for Cleveland, not today, but just on the year. The reason why they're four and seven, that 31st, that 31st ranked scoring defense and 31st in EPA allowed going into this one. But Dwayne, Knowing that Deshaun Watson is back next week, again, Cooper's already been someone that I found myself ranking as a low-end wide receiver one for different matchups throughout this year. I mean, he's playing, I feel like, better than ever at this point. Amari Cooper, like, is he going to be a top eight wide receiver down the end if Deshaun Watson looks like Deshaun Watson? Yeah, I. it's, it's kind of weird. It's like... Ew. The obvious answer should just be yes. He's just been so good with Jacoby Brissett. It's almost like, man, for Cooper's sake, like you really don't want it to even be messed with. But like theoretically speaking, like if one of these two quarterbacks is going to be more capable of just having, you know, a 300, 325 yard passing day regularly, right? We're going to bet on Deshaun Watson, right? Over Jacoby Brissett, as good as Brissett's been. So as long as they can stay in rhythm, and I do remember, you know, if you go back to DeAndre Hopkins and the way he played really with Deshaun Watson, it was really more almost kind of like Kyler, like, hey, go out. I'm just going to throw you the ball no matter what. But I do remember the first year where it was Will Fuller before he got hurt, and there were a lot more timing type routes. You know, so Watson was throwing to a guy, you know, based on breaks and things like that. And that's really what Amari's game is built on. Like, if you just want to kind of scramble around back there and wait for somebody to get open, honestly, I think that negates the best part of Amari's game. So I'm hoping – that there's still plenty of on-time throws. This is a timing offense. You know, your back foot hits, you know, and you're supposed to be getting the ball out on these in-breaking routes, the slants, things like that. So my guess is that will all be, you know, the style that they want Deshaun to run, but we'll just see what happens. But but I think overall, like we have to say, it's still going to be an upgrade. I think for the overall offense, it helps. Um, you know, I think maybe David Njoku is like one I get a little bit more excited, you know, about. Not, not necessarily. Yeah because I don't like Amari, but just because I feel like, you know, Amari's already playing so well, it's hard to expect like much more from him. But in Joku, like today, um, you know, last week we saw him in a part-time role in his first game back from the high ankle sprain. It does look like he's fine now, even though he was limited this week in practice, 78% route participation for him. And he was second on the team in target share with 22% behind only the guy you already mentioned, Amari Cooper, that was at 33%. 
nasty one-handed catch for the game tying touchdown to basically force overtime in the first place Njoku continuing to live up to that gaudy contract he got in the offseason but hell yeah Njoku bigger and better things to come with Watson final note on Cooper he was open deep down the sideline for a potential 30 yarder just a little bit too long from Jacoby and then he also did drop a fourth and nine conversion later in the game could have been good for 15 or 20 yards more than made up for it final note on Jacoby I forgot to mention this one of my uh, loyal Twitter followers appreciate all you guys sent me a video and he actually had this caption i'll try to drop his name another time don't got time for that right now but i appreciate you it was the remember the titans pancake on the last game of the season jacoby pulled it off on that anthony schwartz reverse touchdown now terrible terrible cinematic experience that entire movie every single football play in that movie is a freaking joke to me but jacoby Brissett was not a joke today uh nick chubb final note here I love the fact that Kevin Stefanski did not need to give Nick Chubb the ball there at the end. The Buccaneers had already had it. The Browns, after that long Cooper play, had the ball at the two-yard line. I know Jason Garrett would have kicked the field goal in a second. Not Kevin Stefanski. Gave the ball to Nick Chubb. Got that game-winning touchdown instead of the field goal. And for that, the fantasy managers out here. Thank you. On the Buccaneers side of things, Obviously, a letdown after we saw them start to kind of catch their stride in Munich before their week 11 bye to come out here. And yes, it was rainy conditions, but it was rainy conditions for both teams out there. And I don't think it was a fluke that they lost this one by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, Brady could not get going really with anyone other than Goblin or Rashad White out there. They'd have a real nice throw to Julio Jones to help to almost help uh, them pull it off there at the end of the fourth quarter. So again, just like Aaron Rodgers after last week, I'm not freaking out and calling him wash, but I am saying that. This isn't an offense that I'm expecting to all of a sudden be this top five, top 10 scoring unit like we kind of were the first eight, nine weeks of the year when this kept not going anywhere. The good news is, Dwayne, we have two guys emerging as big time potential difference makers the rest of the way. First one being Rashad White with Leonard Fournette out of the picture. 91% snaps, 14 carries, and a sweet, sweet, sweet Eckler-esque nine targets out there. So didn't find the end zone, but my God, this was why people like myself were wondering if he could be the most valuable handcuff in all of fantasy because of how much Brady checks it down and you look up today nine catches 45 yards who cares about the rush attempts Dwayne now we don't know when Fournette's going to be back this could be a situation where he says back he's back as early as this week and then all of a sudden it's a 50-50 split and we got to put him more now as an RB3 but as long as Fournette is out of this I mean my god 91% snaps this is best case scenario Dwayne for his handcuff potential yeah, and I mean, I think the good thing that you really like to see is he did get all of the passing down work, even though Giovanni Bernard came up, he came off of IR this week. So, like, there was a small chance, like, would they give him the passing down work? They didn't. 100% of the two minute offense went to Rashad White, uh, 85% of the long down and distance, and then short down and distance, he got 80% of that. So, true, true every down roll this week. I'm with you. Once Fournette's back, I don't know if it'll be 50 50. Will it be 60 40 White to Fournette? Will it be 60 40 Fournette to White? You know, we'll have to figure that out when it happens. But for right now, yeah, it looks really good for Rashad White. And, I mean, you mentioned the targets. He had a 21% target share today, 26% targets per route run. And he was in a route 73% of the time that Tom Brady dropped back to pass. That is absolutely elite. And also, we got Chris Goblin doing his best Jacoby Myers impression, going a while without scoring. But then what happens when he does start scoring? You get a weekly wide receiver one. This surprised me. I knew Goblin wasn't completely killing us throughout the first part of the season. But since he came back from that hamstring injury in week four, Dwayne, catches per week. 
seven, six, six, seven, six, seven. And out there today, he hauled in 12. Again, has scored in back-to-back weeks after zero touchdowns in weeks one through nine. So great to see Goblin finally getting going. I know Evans didn't hit at all today. In fact, it was a complete dud. Only two catches for 31 yards. I believe he will finish the week with the most unrealized air yards. I know it doesn't help you guys feel better about your fantasy scores, but 161 air yards out there today, 31 receiving yards. Had two or three shooters out there where you would have liked Brady to give him a better chance at the ball. And Goblin even had one as well. I mean, that's the wild part. Goblin caught 12 of his 13 targets. The only miscue, he was wide open down the seam for an easy 25. Just couldn't quite get that ball from Brady. So good news. Small good news for Buccaneers fans is that their tackle, Tristan Wirfs, did up get uh, x-rays negative on that ankle, I believe. So hope is not long-term as it could be. Never want to see some of the biggest difference makers on the field miss any time there. Next Ohio team that managed to win would have been a lot cooler if all three of you did. Bengals 20, Titans 16, Bengals covering as one-point favorites. The under cashed relatively easily at 42 and a half. So Samaj Piran, another handcuff taken over. Dwayne, doing running backs ranks this week was a nightmare because like everything was breaking so well for all these backs. <laughs> I've never seen that many like legit potential workhorses out there trying to rank in a single week. And we got another one here with Piran. 80% of the snaps, 17 carries and six targets. Chris Evans actually worked as number three back behind Travion Williams. I'm not sure if it was because he actually got charged for an OPI relatively early in the game on a T Higgins 20 yard catch. It was one those pick plays and the coaches didn't seem thrilled about how Evans pulled that out. But again, this was one of those things where I was confident about Piran having the feature role because we had seen it in week 18 last year. Piran got starters treatment rest with Mixon. We saw in the Packers game last year how much further ahead Piran was used than Chris Evans. And we saw it last week, even though Evans wasn't out there with a knee injury. So the one interesting thing, Dwayne, I know concussions a lot of times can be the one week injury and you're right back out there, but Mixon didn't even get a limited practice in last week. So again, I'm not sure how long-term it is. I obviously hope that Joe Mixon is out there again next week, but man, if Piran's going to keep this job for even another week or two, it's going to be awfully difficult to keep him out of the top 12. Yeah, absolutely. 80% snap share today, 72% of the rushing attempts. He was out there on a 67% of the passing plays. So that's his route participation. So that's near elite is really, really good. Um, it's going to be hard in, in an offense like the Bengals that they're going to always be, they're going to have plenty of opportunities to score touchdowns. Like it's just going to be hard, you know, for Samaj P. Ryan to not be ranked inside your top 24, probably your top 18. Um, you know, I think I had him, I started him off at 23 this week. And then when Jamar Chase was out, I moved him up just because we've seen them throw the ball more to the backs over the last few weeks without Jamar Chase in the game. Um, the other guy that was a little bit more busy than normal today was Hayden Hurst. He had a 26% target share, which tied T Higgins for first on the team. And then you had Samaji Piran as the third most targeted player at 17%. Shout out to T Higgins, 114 yards and a touchdown on the day, 2.28 yards per route run this season. That's 13th among 97 qualified wide receivers. Jamar Chase, just 24th. I mean, it really is wild. Just we have to do this thing all the time where it's like, oh, Higgins is such a good number two. Oh, wait, maybe he's actually better than Jamar Chase. Like they're both incredible. And we have seen that backed up with the handy dandy PFF receiving grade. The best PFF receiving grade among 63 wide receivers with at least 100 targets over the last two years. We got Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, Tyreek, Justin Jefferson, AJB, 
Diggs, CeeDee Lamb, the Sun God, and rounding out the top 10, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins right next to each other. Love to see that and should love to see Jamar Chase getting back out there, hopefully as early as next week. This did seem to be not a true game time decision. I know he got ruled out on Saturday, but just the fact that he was limited in practice throughout all week, I am cautiously optimistic. We're going to get hopefully close to 100% Jamar Chase here in the fantasy playoffs. On the other side of things, uh, one of the biggest shooters of the season, I would say, Derrick Henry catches a short little screen, all of a sudden breaking down the field all the way, going for a 75-yard house call. Fumbles inside the five-yard line, but my God, that rookie was hustling. Dwayne Traylon Burks got down there, got into the end zone, got himself a touchdown after Henry, you know, picked up the other 70 yards to get down there. So great job by Henry, obviously breaking off the 69-yard reception, and Burks for getting down there. And those really conveniently are the two players we care about at this point on the Titans. So any concerns at all about, I, I mean, no, we don't have any concerns about Henry's rushing, but it has been down over the past two weeks. Like, it's not a concern. I just think it's a cool stat. Let's say that's when 125 rushing yards of the 123 after contact over the past two weeks, but 124 receiving yards. Again, this would be a case in past years where the last two weeks, we probably wouldn't be feeling that great about Henry, but the fact that he has already set career high marks this year in receptions and in receiving yards, it's been a new pleasant floor for Henry that we didn't exactly know was going to be, excuse me, it was going to be there or not this year. So Henry, Kingstead Kings, loves that. What about Traylon Burks, though, down the stretch? Because as awesome as his performances have been, I mean, that 51-yard catch down the middle, just first team all hands. Dude did not let that thing get even close to his chest. He's been flashing over the last few weeks now. That said, Dwayne, you do look at the targets, and I don't love that Traylon Burks, clearly, and I think we can say at this point, the Titans' best wide receiver is getting as many targets as Nick Westbrook-Akini, as Robert Woods, and only a few more than Austin, Austin Hooper and their tight end, whose name is way too difficult to try to pronounce at close to midnight here on the East Coast. So overall thoughts on Traylon Burks moving forward, and if we're going to see someone actually get to – I mean, at this point, I don't know how else to say Christian Watson is must-start status uh, is anything other than that. So Traylon Burks moving forward, more of a boomer bust wide receiver three or more of someone like Christian Watson that you just need to say, F it, he's going in the starting lineup. Well, I mean, I think he's in that wide receiver three conversation, but he could easily join Watson. I mean, he did lead the team in targets today, you know, 19%. We've seen his route participation pick up every single week since coming back. He had a season high today at 82%. So he's on the field all of the time. Um, so to me, that's a positive. You know, he led the team in um, yards per route run today at 2.33. You know, if you look at his targets per route run for the course of the season, better than all of his teammates. So, I mean, it's one of those days where, yeah, the other two guys happen to have five targets and he had six, but like his targets per route run are well above theirs. Like, so I, I have no doubt Traylon Brooks is the best receiver on this team. I'm actually encouraged, Ian, because over the last three games, we've really seen Ryan Tannehill start to find a groove. You know, he threw for 291 yards today. Like the two games before that, I believe he's been over 250, both of those. He did not have a passing touchdown today. But, I mean, the last three games have been pretty good um, from a passing game standpoint for the Titans with Tannehill being back in the lineup, healthy, and seeming to find a groove with these guys. So I think that gives Burks, you know, a lot of upside. Yeah, he got lucky today that he got the touchdown, jumping on it, you know, with Derrick Henry. But, you know, he put himself in position to be there early on in the season. I don't know if he makes that play. He was so in the doghouse. I don't know what was going on with him and the coaches. So just to see him making those kind of plays, knowing that he's earning the trust, right, of Rabel and the coaching staff, I feel great. I feel like there's really no comp competition here for targets. Like, I, I do believe we could look up in two weeks and be like, oh, 
35% target share. Wow, 35% target share. Wow, 35% like it's just start happening every single week. He's just way better than everyone else on the team. And if the quality, if the quality of the offense from a passing perspective continues to stay where it's at now, like that's ultimately going to lead to some really huge days for Traylon Burks. And we have seen him get this done more than enough as a receiver as well. That you can, if you want to call it a fluke fumble recovery touchdown, that's fine. But in terms of yards per out run, I mean, it's Chris Olave, it's Christian Watson, and then it's Traylon Burks all yep. over that two yard mark. That again, if we see you're over two yards per out run, that means you're elite, not even as a rookie, whatever experience you have. Pretty damn good stuff. Almost had an even bigger day. I mean, he was open for another 30 yard chunk gain over the middle. Tannehill let him just a little too far out in front. Almost would have liked to have seen him make the catch, but it's going to be a sheesh regardless and Dwayne you brought up the point man the fact we have any upside in this passing game at this point we will take it from weeks four to week nine these are team passing yards so the sack totals will take it off but still man 116 136 116 40 and 57 passing yards maybe Malik Willis has a bright future but my god the guy could not throw the football and was not trusted to throw the football when he was out there Tannehill giving our guy Traylon Burke some life here down the stretch. Final from this one, Derrick Henry, don't go to the medical tent to go to the bathroom, bro. You are absolutely terrifying all of us fantasy losers stuck on our phone each and every Sunday experiencing the glorious product known as Red Zone. Dolphins took down the Texans 30 to 15, covering as 14 and a half point favorites. The under cashed at 47 and a half. Uh, yeah, Dwayne, were you amongst those unlucky souls like myself that decided to bet Dolphins over 30 and a half points? They had this shit <laughs> at halftime and could not score one more point. Get Doug Flutie out there and give me that, you know, ridiculous one point uh, drop kick thing that you're able to do under certain rules. 30 points, and my, oh, even my guy Skylar Thompson couldn't lead him to three. That one especially hurts. But Tua continues to do king shit. Now, this is another game where we have seen him completely going off against the Lions, the Bears, the Browns, the Texans. We get the 49ers next week. So that's going to be an awesome game and just an awesome idea to see just how good he and this offense are because at this point, it's the best passing game in the NFL. And I don't think it's particularly close, at least in terms of their consistency and just the overall upside with these wide receivers out there. Tua, number one in PFF passing grade, number one in yards per attempt, number one in passer rating. And I think that latter stat no it's not a great stat for looking at a quarterback specifically but it is a pretty decent stat for looking at a passing game as a whole and i don't think there is a more explosive one out there right now than the miami dolphins so okay the bills the chiefs you guys can chill out for a sec i get it game versus game i would still take them to beat the dolphins but Tua and company just absolutely crushing it Dwayne, how confident are you that we see them continue to be this damn good down the stretch against the 49ers against some slightly elevated competition and how much do you think these last four weeks could be just a little bit of a mirage because again it gets tough man at the 49ers at the chargers at the bills packers patriots and jets down the stretch so just saying are you expecting more of the same top five everyone involved or maybe just a little bit of a step back i don't know man the primetime games stick out and i can't get over that steelers game we saw about a month ago yeah i mean as well as they're playing though i really don't care i, I mean what are you gonna do you, you've got tyreek hill Jalen waddle and tua like you're playing all of them no matter what um, you know, maybe they come down a little bit, but like, it, it's not going to affect where I'm going to rank Tyreek Hill. I'll tell you that. Like, yeah. I don't care who he's playing. <laughs> like I'm ranking him as number one, probably every week. Um, so it's just, uh, and, and like the chargers, that's one of the ones we just named. Like, 
that that one doesn't really scare me at all. Yeah, the no. 49ers have been good, but they play a lot of zone. Like the 40, you know, the uh, the Dolphins, like they chew that stuff up. So I I think the Dolphins are going to beat the 49ers, to be honest. I just want to, and plus that's what I want to see. I want to see Mike McDaniel go in there and just kick Kyle Shanahan's ass. Like, that's what <laughs> I want to see. Um, but it's like as far as the rest of the stuff is from a utilization perspective is concerned for today. Um, we did see Jeff Wilson in the first, like the second half. You kind of got to throw things out from today because like they just shut a lot of the guys down. They started letting them have snaps off. We also had Jeff Wilson leave. He went into the locker room for a little you bit. You see how he left? Out. I didn't see him leaving, no. Dude, he was sitting on his like ass on the ground, and Tyreek comes over and grabs both of his arms and just starts like shuttling, like shuffling backwards to get him off the field. I think it was like a cramp or something going on, but Tyreek was the one that actually pulled him off the field, and it looked like a leg injury, so you're like hoping that's not serious because Jeff trusted him to do that, but yeah, very, very memeable situation. He did come back. Yeah. He did come back and play later, but like if you looked at it early in the game, like say the first half, it was like 75% Wilson, 25% Miles Gaskin. Like if you look at it for the whole game, it's like 60, 35 uh, and the splits between the two, but really Gaskin got more work at the end of the game when Wilson wasn't in the game. So, um, and we could get Raheem Mostert back, but this is about where we've seen Wilson for the last, you know, couple of weeks. Like he had already kind of taken over the backfield. I think today had it been a more competitive game, we probably would have seen like 75% you know, Jeff Wilson. Um, so we'll see what happens if Mostert can come back. I think he's still like a, it's a 60, 40 kind of thing. 65, 35 thing. Yeah. I remember saying on Tuesday when I wrote my RB column, like Jeff Wilson must start player this week. And then Mostert got put out of the picture, obviously reinforced that, but yeah, still feeling good about Jeff moving down the road and cautiously optimistic it's not a severe injury given he was able to come back after originally going to the locker room also Tyreek Hill th does anyone get more cramps than this guy I mean I don't know if he returned it was kind of late in the game regardless but you know I guess when you move as fast as, as him maybe that is you know the one crypt tonight he's got going on the other side of the ball the Houston Texans we don't even have Damian Pierce working for us these days over his last eight quarters he has 15 carries for 16 rushing yards does this mean Damian Pierce is suddenly bad at football absolutely not he he has negative six rushing yards before contact on those 15 carries, which like you just need to kind of sit back and try to process what exactly that means. It means the Texans offensive line, which was doing <laughs> a decent job in the first part of the season, has seemingly given up on life and at the very least football at this point. So shocker, the Kyle Allen experience didn't do all that much for this team. I mean, OK, they had a cute little comeback attempt in the second half, but that was just more funny than anything because the Dolphins had already pulled Tua up 30 points in this one. So. Look, it's one of those things where we saw Damian Pierce running really hot with a workload that, hey, when you can get 15 to 20 touches, then that's great. But when you're getting killed bad enough, to be fair, like the Texans weren't doing for the first eight, 10 games of the season, but they have been doing now. It just complicates things. How bad was it though, Dwayne, in terms of the pass down work? Because we did see for a few weeks, Damian Pierce continuing to get some of the two minute work, but in this one, just three catches for eight yards on six targets. They somehow didn't use the two-minute offense, even though they were getting obliterated. So I don't know. Um, that's probably because when you have Kyle Allen, you don't want to go faster. Um, but uh, he was out there a little bit for the long down and distance. They kind of shut him down in the second half, though. Like, if you look at the first half, it's kind of like what we just talked about um, with Jeff Wilson Jr. It was really mostly Damian Pierce, like what we've seen. But then if you look at the the splits at the end of the day, at the end of the day, he was only 55% of the snaps today. That's by far his lowest in a long time. 30% went to Dari Agunbowale. And then you had 38% of the rushing attempts go to Pierce and 38% of the rushing attempts go to Agunbowale. But 
most of Dari's stuff came at the end of the game. I think they were just resting Pierce. I couldn't find anything out there about an injury. If anybody, you know, in the comments, you know, if, if you read anything like that, you can let us know. I think it was just, hey, we're getting our, you know, our asses kicked and we're just going to put Damian Pierce over here to the side. But you never know. It's the Texans, you know. I mean, as, as much as, you know, we may be against Davis Mills, I could have told you that Davis Mills is still probably better than Kyle Allen. Like, I've seen enough of Kyle Allen in my career to know that you probably just stick with Davis Mills. Like, you're not really making anything better. So who knows? I mean, maybe they do use more of these other backs moving forward. I, I don't know. Like, the Texans are a weird organization. My I would put my chips on Pierce having his normal rollback, and to your point, like, he's just had a bad little stretch. Moving right along, because I am so tired of talking about that organization <laughs> at this point. Jets 31, Bears 10. Jets covered as five and a half point favorites. The over cashed again, 36 and a half. This has got to be like a month straight now with the Bears. I remember once they started trading Roquan Smith, Robert Quinn at the trade deadline. It was a pretty good sign. That combined with Justin Fields was going to lead to a lot of overs cashing. Obviously, Justin Fields not healthy enough to suit up in this one, though. Almost got the Nathan Peterman show. What a wild, you know, pregame where Dwayne, it's just, it, it kills me, man. And some of these national reporters out there, you just, they're 90% of their Twitter are injury updates that we get directly from the team. And then also, you know, bad backup quarterbacks being subbed out. There's no other positions that seemingly matter other than, you know, these quarterbacks shuffling right on through. But obviously the star of the day, Jets signal caller, Mike White, taking over for Zach Wilson. And boy, did he ever 315 yards, three touchdowns through the air. And it's now his second really great performance in four career starts. So he did have duds last year against the Bills, four picks. Patriots, he only had 202 yards, also through two picks. But hey. Bears and the Bengals now. He's put up pretty big numbers. No, I'm not convinced that Mike White is the next big thing out here when you actually look at him. Over these stretches, over the past two seasons, we have 45 qualified signal callers with, I think, 150 overall dropbacks. Sorry, 48 qualified quarterbacks. Yards per attempt, he's fourth. Adjusted completion rate, he's 13th. PFF passing grade, he's 44th. Now, Ian, how can someone be so good in those efficiency metrics and so bad in PFF passing grade? Only Mike Glennon has a higher turnover-worthy play rate in these past two seasons of work. So even Zach Wilson hasn't been quite as careless. The problem, Dwayne, has been in these two big games, he's had low ADOTs of 5.9 and 4.2 yards where he's gotten away with the Bears defense and with the Bengals defense from last year that really had no exactly no, no idea what they were going to do out there against the underneath passes and today against some ballers like Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore. So all that's to say is I don't think in real life, Mike White is the answer to all the jets, you know, prayers and all that, but Hey, guess what? It's four games. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that this really good he's shown is going to be what what's out there more weeks than not here moving forward. At least from a fantasy perspective, we can now get back to trusting some of these past game options. That said, I'm pretty sure Dwayne, you're going to tell me that our guy, Jeff Smith was out there a little bit more than Elijah Moore. And that's going to make me mad. <laughs> no, Jeff oh. Smith, uh, Jeff Smith doesn't even show up today. No, um, Braxton Berrios was out there, but no, Elijah Moore, uh, you know, it still wasn't good. 43% route participation. He's only on the field when they go to three wide receiver sets. So that's, that's the problem. You know, at a 15% targets per route run, uh, but a 7% target share did come through, you know, with a big play. Then he also scored the touchdown. So maybe, maybe though, like they, he can earn his way you know, back onto the field. I don't know. Corey Davis played, you know, today after missing several games, he was out there with a 77% route participation. But as you mentioned, it was all about Garrett Wilson, 29% target share today, Ian, 93% route participation and on two of Dwayne and Ian's benches. But we won't talk about that. 3.39 yards per route run. Uh, dude is just awesome, man. Like you just, 
you know, like if you had to rank the rookies right now, Ian, um, going into next year, like I think Alave's been playing well the whole season, so he's got to be number one. But then it's like Garrett Wilson and Christian Watson are the next two in my mind. And Drake London's been good, like from a target share standpoint and those things. But like we haven't really got to see him like open things up, you know, with Atlanta. But I think I would Garrett Wilson's still probably my two. Then Christian Watson would be my three. If I'm ranking rookies for next season right now, where would you be? I think Wilson's one. I think he's on. Dude. I've always thought he's better than Alave. Just well, I know we, we we graded him ahead, but like, yeah. dude, it's hard to argue with what Alave's done. Like, dude is balling. Like, putting up major target shares every single week. Wilson, he's had three or he's had four really big games this year where he's put up twenty eight percent plus target shares. So I think that shows you what he can do and all the things we talked about in the preseason why we liked him and he was our wide receiver one. Like you saw it on the field today. Like once he gets the ball in his hands. I don't think there's a rookie. You could argue Watson. Like he and Watson are the two biggest playmakers after the catch. Um, but man, it's tough to go against Alave, man. Like week in, week out, consistent player. And I even think that Wilson, just after the catch, he's in a different sphere than anyone else in this class, I think. Because Watson can run away from guys. Garrett freaking jukes them so bad, they don't even seem to know what direction they're going. I don't even know if Garrett knows what direction he's going half the time, but he's moving so damn fast that it seems to be working for him out there. Dwayne. Garrett so Wilson, like he's what we all wished Kadarius Tony could be like if he could be healthy that's what it reminds me of this guy that can just make three guys miss he can run great routes I mean it's yeah he's a really good player so look if we had a better idea of any sort of long-term quarterback situation with any of these guys then maybe we could you know rank them differently but I'm looking at it and yes certainly after 15 or not 15 after 12 weeks I've changed my opinion on all these rookie receivers relative to when we were doing the rankings after the draft but Again, after the draft, even, I thought the big thing with Garrett was his ability to dominate in all facets of the game that you want to see your wide receiver dominating in, and that has not changed this season. Only had to see Zach Wilson neuter him for a few games out there. Luckily, we're seem to seemingly done with that experience, at least down the stretch for this year. Should be more goodness from Garrett Wilson down the stretch. How did Tyler Conklin used to look, Dwayne? Because I've been spouting off about this for a while. Jets have the single best strength of schedule in the fantasy playoffs. And Conklin, I know he only had three catches for 50 yards today, and the three targets weren't great. But, I mean, only Garrett Wilson had more than three targets on this team. I don't think Mike White's going to distribute things that evenly down the stretch. We have seen Conklin pop up with, I believe, two top three finishes already this season. Are you a buyer with, I mean, ideally you have like someone that you don't need to worry about streaming tight ends in weeks 15 to 17. So from that perspective, I get it. But I think Conklin could surprise down the stretch here, Dwayne. Come on. We got plenty of room on the bandwagon. Come join me. <laughs> He's fine. I mean, 73% route participation. Like what I've noticed with Conklin, it's usually in the games where it's close or it's really competitive. Like you get a lot more Conklin. If for whatever reason the Jets are leading or they jump out to a big lead, like, and today the Jets only dropped back to pass 48% of the time, um, you know, 48% of their plays. They actually ran the ball 52% of plays, which is kind of funny because the Bears ran the ball on 49% of plays. It's rare that you see a matchup where two teams run the ball. Sorry, the Bears ran at 51%. It's rare that you see two teams in the same game actually run the ball over half of the plays when they're playing each other. Like, that's not something you see very often. But, I mean, I think Conklin's fine. I got him as a high-end tight end, too. Like, he can, he can jump into the tight end one conversation any week but it's not i'm not like super excited about him final notes here michael carter my god you talk about um just is it 
what's that? I, actually, I like their concept. When what's that stock market sports app thing going on? I see them in mentions oh, all the time. I forgot what it's called. Yeah, Mogul, yeah. Mojo, yeah. maybe something yeah. like that. So anyway, shout out to them. Cool stuff. But I, I want to see the Michael Carter chart from this morning because from the time that James Robinson got ruled a healthy scratch to then Michael Carter suffering an ankle injury, just the ultimate fantasy stock up crashing down shows just how wildly things can change in the course of just ninety minutes out there on a Sunday afternoon. So. Robert Salat did confirm he suffered an ankle sprain. We are unsure of the severity. I'm not sure if you've seen any Twitter doctor's thoughts on the subject, Dwayne, but at a minimum, it looks more than possible that Carter is going to miss some time. Accordingly, we did see Zonovan Knight come out here, undrafted rookie, get it done, 48% snaps, 14 carries, and three targets. Guy managed to put together over 100 total yards. This was not one of my games I was watching closely. I will get to that tomorrow. Only caught some on the red zone, so can't speak too much to what he was doing out there, but the fact that they think enough of him to make James Robinson a healthy scratch and put Knight ahead of Ty Johnson. The problem I have with expecting more to come, Dwayne, is that I think if Carter's out, they elevate James Robinson and we continue to get an annoying three-headed backfield. Or do you think Zonovan might actually have a chance to get things going? His nickname, Bam, Zonovan doesn't roll off the tongue very well. <laughs> we'll nickname him Bam right now. Right, Bam, let's uh, go. You know, I mean, it's who knows? It could end up being a three-way committee, just like really what it's been for the last three games. You know, I remember the first night that we saw this, we're like, oh, God, Ty Johnson's back. (laughs) I think that was like two or three weeks ago, and he hasn't gone away. Um, So, yeah, I'm with you. I feel like next week you're going to have James Robinson active. Uh, Maybe Zonovan Knight is the lead early down guy with, you know, Robinson more spelling him, or maybe Robinson plays more of the Carter role. I did go back and look at what this backfield looked like before the Michael Carter injury. And Knight was doing exactly what you said. He was playing the James Robinson role. So 30% of the rushing attempts, um, it was like, it, it wasn't a lot of usage in the passing game either. So I think we'll probably see something along those lines and and they'll just have James Robinson up. But, you know, it's late in the season. You know, there's you don't get many chances on guys like this. You know, I mean, he's a rookie. Maybe there is something there. They liked him enough to your point to bring him up. Like he's, you know, I mean, what are you going to do? You can't take all your fab with you. I mean, so I, I don't blame anyone that puts a chip on him, you know, just say, Hey, let's just see what happens with him. But it's really hard to predict like what's going to happen. Like the most likely outcome is this just remains a three-way committee. And and eventually Michael Carter is going to be back too. So I, I don't know. I don't know what to do with it. It is Bam. Our guy Matt Waldman tweeted out, Zonovan Knight is a hard out as a runner. That's the reality of earning the nickname of Bam. Great day to be great there. On the other side of things, no Justin Fields out there. The guy's playing through a dislocated left shoulder, Dwayne. I'm kind of worried when he comes back how many hits he's going to be able to take with that. To me, it sounds very similar to the sort of rib or shoulder injury that impacted Kyler Murray a couple years ago where all of a sudden all the design rushing isn't there, and then we have a quarterback in a passing offense that hasn't been able to get much going not being the same sort of asset but don't need to worry about that specifically today we can talk at least a little bit good about david montgomery he goes out there 68 snaps 14 carries four targets he's now had a combined 37 touches over the past two weeks with khalil herbert out of the picture and guys he's good i'm not saying david montgomery is amazing but some of the slander this dude gets he breaks a ton of tackles he's a hard guy to bring down don't freaking throw parade for him i'm not saying that i don't want to be the president of the dave montgomery fan club that's only for one man and one man only but montgomery is good and we can continue to fire him up hopefully as a low-end rb2 if this bears offense doesn't completely fall off the map so jets have been a really good defense all season long so i don't want to take too much negative away from trevor simeon he actually was pretty passable last year with the saints so 
I'm not expecting this to be a situation where we're only expecting the Bears to score 10, 13 points a week without Justin Fields. But do you think, Dwayne, there is enough usage from Darrington Evans to be worried about Montgomery? Because I will say in a week where we're seeing a lot of guys start to get to the 80, 90% snap rate, Montgomery 68% usually looks a lot better than it probably will at the end of this week. No, it's fine. I mean, if you're at 70%, like that's really good. Like, yeah, sometimes you get some, you get a few people that get the 80%, but if you're at 70%, like you're pretty much an RB one. So it's fine. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not worried about it. We will get Khalil Herbert back, uh, in, in a couple of weeks as well. That's what's going to hurt him a little bit more. Cause Khalil Herbert gets a little, he steals some of the rushing attempts. Um, now right now with fields out, like there's more of that to go around with these other two guys. I mean, it ended up being the same, like they just ran the ball a little bit less overall today. Um, but it was fine. Um, the biggest takeaway I have for the bears, chase Claypool did have a season high route participation, 75%. We had Darnell Mooney leave the game. He is out for the season. So maybe finally, Ian, we're going to see chase Claypool out there, but even then like 75% in a game where Mooney left pretty early. Yeah. Um, now he, he, he had the second most targets on the team, 21% target share, 25% to your favorite player, Cole Komet. Uh, he did have 50% of the air yards on the day and he had a 2.43 yards per route run. So chase Claypool at a minimum, you know, this is not an, an offense that wants to throw the ball a lot. We know that it's probably, it's, you're not going to see these 300 yard passing games from this offense, but he should clearly be the lead guy now. Did make an awesome 31-yard catch right over the top of Sauce Gardner. Was still fantastic coverage. Even if you're going to make a catch on Sauce Gardner, you're going to have to go do it. And that guy's girl. But yes, hopefully bigger and better things to come for Claypool. You take Darnell Mooney out of the picture and everything we talked about changes with Claypool. Now, is he going to all of a sudden vault into the top 20? Hell no. But Mooney has been able to be a passable low-end, you know, mid-tier wide receiver three. I do think Claypool has that in his range of outcomes moving forward. The Washington Commanders took down the Atlanta Falcons 19 to 13, covering us three and a half point favorites, just barely as Marcus Mariota trying to find CPAT at the end of the game. Damn it, it looked like he was open too. Dwayne had the pass batted at the line of scrimmage and picked off to end things, also catching the under at 40 and a half. So that was one sheesh. And on the Washington side of things, we had two other. Terry McLaurin open for a 12 yard touchdown in the back of the end zone. Bad overthrow, a bad enough overthrow that I thought Heineke had gotten like drilled because they showed him on the ground afterwards. But I think he just dove there himself because he was that pissed off <laughs> that he missed the pass. Also had uh, Jesse Bates with the potential. I'm sorry, John Bates, Jesse Bates, either you're a backup tight end, whatever. 14 yard touchdown in his hands in the back of the end zone. Could not get either of those feet down. So Heineke winners win Dwayne and he keeps on winning but my god 6.1% turnover worthy play rate highest in the NFL the only guys over a 5% turnover worthy play rate are Taylor Heineke Zach Wilson and Jameis Winston that is not a great group of quarterbacks you want to be in any statistic with and that is Heineke's case right now so he played really well against the Eagles that was a primetime game and they're winning these games otherwise with a lot of good defense and you know running the football just still Taylor Heineke I <laughs> You know, it's part of the experience. That interception he threw today was one of the worst ones of the season. But, hey, he's getting the win. We're not really starting him in fantasy. Hopefully, he just does a better job existing in those two to three seconds of getting the snap and getting it into Terry McLaurin's hands because it hasn't been quite as good as that over the past two weeks. The real big change here, 
Brian Robinson. And Dwayne, I like to think that I'm right a lot, but of course I am going to be wrong plenty of times. A couple of weeks ago, I said Cole Komet wasn't as mid as I thought when he made that great one-handed catch. And I've been begging Brian Robinson to do anything this year. He did today. 5.8 yards per carry. Previous game high mark was 3.8. And this was tough running as he did last week as well. I mean, he now has forced nine missed tackles on the ground over the past two weeks. First six games combined, he only had 12. So we had that going. He caught the freaking 14-yard touchdown where he trust-sticked that defender straight to hell. It was a great performance from Brian Robinson. And then he caps it off wearing the huge hat in the locker room. It was a big <laughs> hat, Dwayne. It's a big hat, and it's funny because it's bigger than a normal hat. So fantastic <laughs> stuff from Brian Robinson out there. And we saw him accordingly get the 50% snap rate, work ahead of Antonio Gibson. All that said, we've kind of seen this going back and forth. I do think in Ron Rivera's like heart and soul, he wants Brian Robinson to have this job, but I don't think Gibson's completely going away. Thoughts on this backfield moving forward after today's performance? Yeah, I mean, nothing really changed, to be honest. These roles, even though we've seen their fantasy points like ebb and flow, like the roles just really depend on the game script. I mean, Brian Robson is the leading running back on this team. He had 47% of the rushing attempts today. That's about where he's normally at is 50%. Whether that equals 10 carries or whether that equals 20 just depends on the way the game goes. I mean, they only dropped back to pass 39% of the time today. Like, they were super run heavy in this game. And that's really, you mentioned it a minute ago, that's kind of been the MO over the last three to four games, probably like five games. They've just tried to shell up more, trying to play defense, try to not lose the game, going to run the ball more. And so I think we can we can expect to continue to see that. You still saw Antonio Gibson, though, getting 90% of the long down and distance work, 100% of the two-minute offense, route participation really good, 63%. So Gibson you know, is still playing that kind of role that we saw DeAndre Swift in last year. Like, he's in that role right now today. Uh, and so he's still going to be fine. You know, we got a little bit of Jonathan Williams at the end of the game, you know, 11% to him. Um, just the way the game happened to play out. I don't know that that's something that we'll see every week. So, yeah, it's still really the same. One quick note on Terry McLaurin, and we can move on. No, no other changes for me here on, on the Commanders. Even though it, it, it he came up small in the box score, you only had 138 yards passing today, you know, from Heineke. But, again, just another dominant target share day. Like, so you're going to have to live with the ups and downs of this passing offense with them wanting to run more, the struggles of the quarterback. But we've seen enough over the last several games to know that there's still those games where McLaurin, he still do, in my opinion, for like an absolute blow up game. Like there's, we've seen a wide enough range of outcomes on Heineke's, you know, passing yards. You know, we know that he can get to 250. And if he does that, and we have one of these games where he and McLaurin really connect and he has a target share like he did again today, like this guy's around 30% target share every week now. Ian. So I think with McLaurin, I get it. You're not going to like the fact you only got 9.3 PPR points from him today but still playing really well. And I also think if, if Heinke does just continue to struggle, they'll probably go back to Carson Wentz. So there's a little bit of a safety net there for you. Curtis Samuel, zero targets I'm seeing. Did his playing time get yeah. cut, Dwayne? Yeah, so today, that I'm glad you brought that up. So the other big thing today with the way that the commanders ran their offense, a lot of 12 personnel, a lot of getting three tight ends even on the field. So you had... You had Logan Thomas, you know, with 71% snaps, 58% to John Bates, Cole Turner, 32%. So the route participations were lower for all the receivers not named Terry McLaurin. It was a season low for Jahan Dotson at 63%. It was also a season low for Curtis Samuel at 58%. So really the other two guys, they're having to share time when they're in the two wide receiver sets 
whenever you go to the three wide receiver sets, obviously all three of those players are on the field. So the way the game script worked out today and the game plan the commanders put together for the Falcons, it just didn't work out very well. It is something to remember, though. Like when you're thinking about the secondary options on the commanders, more times than not, you should probably probably be trying to get Curtis Samuel on your bench because as much as we think McLaurin could survive, like Samuel's really been on a downtrend for the last several weeks. Even though he's come through with some touchdowns, a big player here or there, he's been getting some rushing attempts. Like overall, like his targets have been down for several weeks now. So Samuel's a guy that we were thinking about at one point, like as a low end wide receiver two, then he dropped into the wide receiver three conversation. Now he's really more in that wide receiver four range in my mind. They keep playing in these ugly, kind of tight, yeah. low-scoring games for the most part. It's not the Carson Wentz, you know, I'm going to throw a pick six, and then we need to keep our foot on the gas, you know, trying to keep up in this one. And I'm not so sure it's going to change all that much, Dwayne. From week 12 yeah. to week 17, we get the Falcons, the Giants, a bye week, the Giants, the 49ers, and the Browns. So Terry McLaurin, these running backs, Curtis Samuel, these other guys, we had a nice little stretch there. I don't think they're going to be all that viable fantasy options here down the stretch. On the Atlanta side of things, again, I came to you guys telling you a bunch of good stats, even though I didn't want to do it after a good seven or eight weeks about how Arthur Smith, as much as we want to complain, was still fielding a great offense in terms of scoring, in terms of EPA per play, and all those things that we do give credit to other offenses when they do well in that. Not anymore. 17 or fewer points in four of their last six games. And a healthy Cordero Patterson can't even get the lion's share of the backfield in four games since he's returned snaps. Cordero Patterson has 104. Tyler Algier has 101. Oh, hey, we also got to get Caleb Huntley 27 and Avery Williams 19. Carries. Cordero had 39. Algier has 37. Even the targets, man, it's only nine to five in favor of Patterson. I saw a nice catch from Patterson over the middle today. Wrote a little note to myself. Hey, is he starting to get Kyle Pitts's, you know, extra out wide work? That would make sense. You know, longtime wide receiver, most explosive player on your team. Is that the case? It is not. Now, we did see his snaps actually get above 50%, specifically 58%. But, man, Dwayne, if we're not going to see any separation between him and Algier, it's not surprising to me. I've had to come to you guys hat in hand here every single Sunday night, basically saying to – not exactly be all that thrilled about the touchdowns because it's not the most sustainable workload in the role. And I sit here a week later, man, I'm not feeling all that much better about it. Anything from the underlying utilization metrics that makes us think that CPAC can be a rock solid RB2 here down the stretch. Ian, tonight is your night. Whoa. Tonight is your night. I've been waiting for this segment the whole time. <laughs> Let's go. Corderell Patterson, man, a season high. He may not have been lining up out wide, but they are using him in the passing game. Season high, 62% route participation. This is what Let's we go. need. Let's go. This is what we need from Corderell Patterson. If they let him do that, it doesn't really matter if he gets 40% of the rushing attempts. That can be fine because guess what? That is last year's DeAndre Swift. That is 2019 Austin Eckler. That is, I don't know, name a running back before they took over the early down work whenever they were mainly a pass-catching guy. Alvin Kamara's rookie season. Cordero Patterson today, it's one data point. That's the role he played. And you saw less of Avery Williams, and that was part of the difference. And I do think it has something to do with Kyle Pitts. They need another quality guy. They've got to be able to get out there. He had five targets today. He only came through with three receptions for 19 yards. But you and I both know you give Cordero Patterson those kind of chances, especially against linebackers and safeties. There's going to be a chance for good things to happen. There was also some crappy weather in this game. There are a lot of factors going on. I walk away from this thinking that Cordero Patterson, like he's for sure one of the guys that I'll be writing about in the utilization report as an upgrade. I know we got to wait for two or three weeks to get a trend. No, we don't. It's the end of the season. Like we just have to act at this point. Like we don't have any more time to wait. 
And so I do, th it's, it's maybe it's a narrative like us pairing the fact that Pitts is gone. And now you have Patterson because look, the tight ends didn't do anything. Uh, as you like to say, Ian, there was a thing called a Parker Hesse, you know, <laughs> was on a field. I've 30, never heard that day before. But only 38% route participation. Uh, Nicole Pruitt, who caught the touchdown, you know, uh, only 15% route participation. Anthony Ferkshire, 50%. So, you know, it's just a rotation at tight end. These are guys that are mainly in there to block. They all had more snaps than they did routes. So they're really blocking most often. You know, this is Arthur Smith's out there running a seven man offensive line. <laughs> He's got like three people in the route, but one of them is Corderell. See, that can be a good thing. That can be a really good thing. So I, I think this is a really good data point for Corderell Patterson. We know that he has a skill set to do it. You lose Kyle Pitts. We now suddenly see him has have a season high route participation. It's enough for me, Ian. I'm going to assume that like this is the role that he's going to have. I'll have him in that low end RB2. Back in the low end RB2 range next week. We had had to, I, he had been banned into RB3 territory for the last couple of weeks. But uh, we'll we'll be looking at getting him back into the RB two range. That is fantastic to hear. Unfortunately, I'm guessing Drake London's ban on the wide receiver two range <laughs> persists in this one. Just two catches for 29 yards. I mean, he has five or fewer targets in five of his last seven games. I took a good 30 minutes out of my schedule this week, Dwayne, because it takes a while with the new NFL Game Pass to try to clip some of these actual highlights together. But I wanted to give Drake London some love and just make sure I was right in believing that he is really freaking good at football. And I still, in my heart of hearts, believe that to be true. You look at his separation, yards after the catch, contested catchability. He's shown the ability to do it all at a high level. But as you said with Garrett, he just hasn't been getting the opportunities. And man, when he can get a limited Zacchaeus going, and he had a good game, so I don't want to tear down other guys to make my point about Drake London, but it's it's tough, Dwayne, because this would have been the game to expect London to take a big step forward without Pitts, and it just didn't happen. Could it happen the rest of the year? Maybe. I do believe he's coming off back-to-back -back touchdown games, so he hasn't been a complete letdown. But I'll tell you what, in Week 13, obviously we can't trust London as anything more than a what bust or kind of boom wide receiver four. I can't even say boom because the guy's not going to get more than five or six targets out there. You know, I mean, with Pitts out, I do think it eventually comes. I can't tell you when it's going to happen. Like, he's been such a great target earner. Like, I don't expect him just to all of a sudden not do it. Yeah, it was Zacchaeus that did it today with a 35% target share. Really, like, targets per route run, target share, all those things for Zacchaeus on the year. Doesn't really look like he's going to be a guy that's going to be able to make this stick. I would think that it would be London that should come through with some games. With a, you, you really expect him to be who Zacchaeus was today, right? Hope you get 14, 16, 17 fantasy points out of him for a week. So I, I wouldn't completely give up on London, but to your point, like it is hard. It's hard to, it's hard to rank him inside your top 36. It'll be easier in two weeks when we're all playing in fantasy playoff games and there's six teams on by. <laughs> of course, I think the Falcons might be one of those, so it might not really matter. Uh, I don't How did that happen? I don't Come know, on. but it really <laughs> sucks because in FFPC, that's your championship game. <laughs> well, but like what NFL teams want a week 14 by? I feel like you want that in the middle of the season. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't know. We'll we'll start a petition or something in the offseason, <laughs> you know, Ian. But I, I, I'm with you on London. Like, I think he's played great, but it is what it is at this point. Um, you know, he's got to be in that wide receiver four range. Seriously, like we get the week five, week sixes. I'm sure they don't care about that. Just give me like four or five. You would need what? Six, seven. 
Oh my gosh. I'm not doing the math right now. Five straight weeks with six teams on <laughs> by and then give us one, two team bye week. There we go. All right. Moving right along. We had the Panthers take down the Broncos 23 to 10 Carolina covered as one point dogs. The under cash at 36 and a half. I really thought the Broncos could do it here, Dwayne, because even if I didn't trust Russell Wilson to outduel Sam Darnold, which was tough enough to kind of get through your head, that that could be a reality, but I could do that. I did not think Darnold and company could move the ball against his defense, but sometimes your offense is just that atrocious that it happens and to be fair dj moore went out there and made a ton of good plays four catches 103 yards and a touchdown with a lot of that coming in patrick sertan's grill now i know we want to rush to twitter and when we see dj moore burning patrick sertan we start talking about how overrated patrick sertan is. Maybe DJ Moore is just really good at football too. Not as good as Devontae Adams, but still damn good in his own right. And now with DJ Moore, it's a situation where this year has been so bad. I think it's kind of changed our thought process on what exactly was bad for DJ Moore a few years ago. Because <laughs> last year with Sam Darnold in the center, man, was so much better than this season. And just adding this one game onto that, we now have a 13-game sample size here. 5.5 catches, 73 yards, and 0.3 touchdowns per game on nine and a half targets per game. If you extrapolate that to 17 games, which again, I'm not taking a three game sample size here. This is a 13 game sample size over the course of a season 94 catches, 1,244 yards, and only five touchdowns. That's always been the annoying part. The receptions and receiving yards have been here, though, in the past with quarterbacks like Sam Darnold, like Teddy Bridgewater, like Cam Newton, just not so much with Baker Mayfield and to a lesser extent, PJ Walker this year. So DJ Moore, man, coming down the stretch, I knew this week was going to be tough. I don't think anyone was out here saying this was a blow up spot against this great Broncos defense that we've seen been awesome throughout the season. But you start to look ahead and we get a bye week and week 13. But after that, the Seahawks, the Steelers, the Lions and the Buccaneers down the stretch. Dwayne DJ Moore we talked about can these guys maybe start cracking the wide receiver two list consistently you're always going to know there's a low floor with Sam Darnold on the center and we did get confirmation from coach uh, from the coach uh, coach Wilkes Jesus and that Darnold will remain the starter after the bye thoughts on DJ Moore down the stretch because this was a really good again one sample dot to add to last year's underrated pretty solid sample size yeah, he had a 90.8 PFF receiving grade today against a great defense, to your point. Now, they hardly you know, threw the ball at all. They dropped back to pass on 30% of their plays. <laughs> they ran the ball 70% of the time today, which is really freaking hard to do. Um, but when you play Russ, Russell Wilson, like on the other side, like you don't really have to worry about anything. Like You can just run, and then you throw a few passes. So, yeah, I think it's good overall, and you're probably going to see the team throw more than this, Ian. Like, this is going to be this probably be the lowest passing attempt game that they'll have for the rest of the season, at least from a percentage standpoint. So, I think you'll see more dropbacks. You already mentioned the long sample um, with Sam Darnold. I do think it's a good thing for DJ Moore. I'll probably keep him in the wide receiver three range, but I'll just feel more comfortable, you know, putting him in a lineup because but before. At one point, he would make it into the wide receiver three range, and you're still, you're like, you don't want to click on him. You're like, man, I don't, I don't know, man. Do I really put him in my lineup? You know, and then I'd start thinking, do I need to move him down my ranks? If I don't want to start him, do I want to have him ranked as my wide receiver 36 and other people are going to start him? You know, so DJ Moore's like sent me through the, you know, the ringer like this year uh, as far as my emotions go. Playing with my emotions, Smokey, got to stop. But yeah, I'm fine. Wide receiver three. And if he does it again, then maybe we talk about the wide receiver two conversation. Let's take it one step at a time, Ian. One thing I want to mention about the Panthers, the backfield. Deontay Foreman, um, 53% of the snaps to 42% for Chuba Hubbard. You did have Deontay Foreman leave the game for a little bit, but he did come back. He was in there to finish. 
But I even went back and looked early in the game. This was much different than what we had seen. Really, it had been like 70, 80% of the rushing attempts going to Foreman and then a little bit, you know, the backup work going to Chuba Hubbard. This week, they were much more interchangeable um, throughout the game. Now, 57% of the rushing attempts still went to Deonta Foreman. 37% went to Chuba Hubbard. Hubbard did take over the long down and distance as well as all of the two-minute offense 100%. Every time I watch Chuba Hubbard, Ian, he doesn't really look very good to me. Like, Foreman looks better, but they keep insisting on working him back into the mix here. Um, and really, Raheem Blackshear, like, this is the least that we've seen from him. He had a mistake early in the game, and maybe that had something to do with him, you know, losing a little bit of the rotation. But just something to keep an eye on here because it's pretty it's a pretty thin margin here, right, with a guy like Foreman. You really need him, especially on an offense like this, you need him to get all the work. Now, he still came through because they only threw the ball 30% of the time today. You know, they were running the whole time. But 17 carries for Foreman, or sorry, 24 carries for Foreman, 17 for Chuba Hubbard. So, I mean, if you look at a normal game where we talk just the opposite, we talk about DJ Moore's probably going to see more targets because there will be more passing attempts. If you're in a normal game like this, like that suddenly turns into what, where we were getting, you know, 16, 17 carries from Foreman, it could be like 10. You know, and it yeah. could be like seven for Chuba Hubbard. So something that we'll have to keep an eye on. Foreman's definitely given him some really big performances. He's come through multiple times this year. He's also had a couple of really bad duds. He's a true boom bust running back, but we need to know that the boom's still going to be there. And if it is, like that means Chuba Hubbard can't be like eating away at half of the snaps. And it's reasonable, man. I was with you where I thought Foreman played well enough to really kind of just get the lead job here moving forward. But when Hubbard came back from that injury, the first game was week 10, short week, Thursday night. He was pretty much a game time decision. He barely played and they ended up winning comfortably against the Falcons. So they just rode Foreman to that. Last week, they played the Ravens. It was 3-3 in the fourth, and they just ended up, you know, actually giving Hubbard 40% of the snaps. But because they were behind, we still figured in a game where they were leading, it'd be more of the Deontay Foreman show. But apparently, they are kind of doing the anti-Jameis thing, where I think they are giving Chuba a little bit more credit where he did leave with an injury, and now he's coming back. Maybe not getting the full-time starting job like he had when he left, but even that wasn't exactly full-time. So I really think this is a one-two punch for them. It was when McCaffrey originally got traded, and it does seem like they are going back to that. But you mentioned it, man, like just the game script dependence that Foreman has this year. 110-plus rushing yards in their three wins and the OT loss versus the Falcons. Only 21 and 24 total yards in those other two losses. So when you only have five free, I'm sorry, four receptions on the entire year, Chuba only has five. I mean, when Raheem Blackshear is the one getting the targets out of the group in the game, there are going to be some lows. So they do have a bye in week 13. Maybe we see a change out of that. But Foreman and Hubbard, man, especially for, I mean, obviously Chuba, we're not thinking about starting him really, but Foreman, Going to be tough to get in that top 24 more weeks and not not exactly anticipating many, you know, if any spreads moving forward that are going to picture the Panthers as anything close to a favorite. Moving on to the other sideline, we don't need to take much time here. Just this embarrassment of a Broncos offense. The most points they have scored in the game this season is 23. They joined the Texans as the only teams with at least 10 games with 21 or fewer points on the season. Russell Wilson, Dwayne, he's on pace to throw 13 13 touchdowns this season. He's never been under 20. That does seem like it'll happen this year. And the Broncos seem to finally have enough with it. I forget what defender it was, but he was letting Russell Wilson oh know about all that on the sideline. So Cortland Sutton, as long as Judy, as long as Hamler stays sideline, we can watch him, you know, get his way to 70, 80 scoreless yards, I guess. And that's fine. You can rank him as a wide receiver three. Go ahead. Any thoughts here on Latavius Murray, Dwayne? Because 
He's really pushing the envelope here of what I like to say, you know, 15 to 20 touches. <laughs> it's going to be hard to keep them out of the top 24, but man, Latavius Murray, 82% snaps. That's great. Working well ahead of Marlon Mack and, De and Devon Zigbo. but my God, man, can we really put this guy at the top 24 back moving forward? He doesn't look particularly good out there, and this offense is just so bad at this point. Thoughts on Latavius here moving forward. See, and this is where he's different than Foreman, because I feel like Foreman, at least when we've seen the good games, like he's performed really well. I don't know that Latavius Murray can do that. Yards after contact today, 1.69. He did have a nice long run today. It was a well-blocked play. Um, so, I mean, that helped him. You he know, is get dead. Coming one. in, Dwayne. Coming in, he was dead last in the league in yards after contact. Yeah, carry, he, so yeah, that's nothing he's, new. Yeah, he's not been very good. Um, so, and again, we don't know what's going to happen. They're probably going to get Mike Boone back off the IR next week. Um, you know, we did see Mike Boone in the passing down role. Latavius got all that today. He had 100% of the two-minute offense. He had 83% of the long down and distance. Really, Marlon Mack and Divine Ozigbo, they, weren't, they were non-factors for the most part. So, I can't imagine them continuing to give this sort of workload to Murray as some of the other guys get healthy, specifically Boone. I mean, we'll have to wait and see. But to your point, even with it, it's hard. Even if we thought he was going to have all this work next week, it would be really hard to get him inside the top 24. So once we know it's going to be more of a split again, like what's that going to do? That's going to push Murray back down to like that mid-range, low-end RB3 territory. What a disaster. Three quick sheeshes from here. Greg Dolchitz had a 13-yard touchdown nullified on offsetting penalties. You hate to see that. Tommy Tremble could have had a five-yard touchdown. Tommy Tremble's, Dwayne, but Darnold threw it high and out the back of the end zone. And Deontay Foreman got down the one-yard line, was ruled just short. And then Sam Darnold did a read option where he fumbled it, but then he picked up the ball and no one touched him. So he literally, like, fireman rolled into the end zone. Great day to be great for Donald. Got that W, man. Winners win the story of Taylor Heineke and Sam Darnold. Jaguars took down the Ravens in a thriller, one of the best games of the day, 28-27, covering us three-point dogs, overcashed at 43-and-a-half. Two claps for Trevor Lawrence, man. Great football, done it in back-to-back -back games. He did it in weeks two and week three. He's honestly done this in three straight games now, finally starting to see some consistency for the generational quarterback prospect that obviously was the number one overall pick last season. So over these past four weeks, now one of these was a buy, but again, three straight really good games from T-Law. The top PFF passing grades over the past month, Joe Burrow, Tua, Patrick Mahomes, and then tied for fourth, Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence. So, hey, went out there, man, got the counting numbers to back it up on this one too, 321 yards and three touchdowns. We'll see a couple more weeks of this, but if that switch hasn't been flipped after this one, Dwayne, I don't know when it's going to be because to see him go down, lead them down the field at the end, get the two-point conversion. Again, the Jaguars and the Chargers were the two teams this week to go, risk it and win it on that game-ending two-point conversion against the Ravens defense too that I know we've seen Tua have that great comeback against as well. But honestly, that seemed to kind of open up the door for Tua to start doing what he's doing. Do you think this was the start of even more greatness to come from this Jaguars passing game down the stretch? Because again, we've seen spurts this year, but I want to make sure this isn't week three all over again where we get really excited and then things fall off a bit. I think it's tough to say. Like it could go either way. My guess is, is that like it's just the ups and downs of a season. But it's good to know like the, the see that, you know, you can get this kind of an up game from Trevor Lawrence, 321 yards passing and three passing touchdowns. That's awesome. You know, he still had three turnover worthy plays today. You know, he had four big time throws. So, I mean, he was he was still plus one, like big time throws versus turnover worthy plays. But it wasn't a flawless game, you know, for Lawrence. The biggest thing is they were forced into dropping back to pass 70 percent of plays. 
they're usually a much more balanced team than that, you know, but the way that the game script worked out, we really saw them get forced into that kind of a, into the, into having to throw the ball more. And it's good. Like they were forced into it and he was able to do it. He was able to come through. Um, you know, we have seen several different weapons though, step up. We've seen Evan Ingram have his week. Now we've seen Zay Jones have Zay Jones had a 39% target share today, 52% of the air yards. Like he's been, he's been fine. Like Zay Jones has been a good player this year. Like he hasn't been great for fantasy. He's been a good NFL receiver. He's given a few good fantasy games. Like this is a really good game for him. Um, but then we obviously know Christian Kirk can do his thing. And then every once in a while, Marvin Jones can step up. So I do think he has enough weapons. You know, they're, these guys are not elite, but each one of them seems like when they need to. We know Kirk's the consistent one, but it's almost like every other week, one of the other guys also steps up. So I think that's a positive thing for him. I think we just need the game scripts to really push the Jaguars to need to throw the ball more. Speaking of the reason why they had to throw the ball more, sad, sad moment when Travis Etienne only played freaking 8% snaps of the game, two carries, zero targets, suffered a foot injury, and did not return. He did say, however, quote-unquote, I'll be straight for next week. So I'm not sure if that's Travis Etienne, just hoping that he's going to be okay or if that's a definitive I will be playing this week. Always tough to trust exactly <laughs> what those players are saying in the heat of the moment, but Cautiously, at least optimistic, Dwayne, that he's not suffered a long-term injury. But then again, who really knows? So obviously, if Etienne is out there with his normal role, he's not leaving our top 10. You can rank him in the top five, and I'm not going to disagree with you. But if he is going to be missing time, today we saw Jermichael Hasty go out there and have a featured role. 79% snaps, 12 carries, five targets. Did some okay things. I just couldn't appreciate them because every time he got the ball, I was like, why is that not Travis Etienne <laughs> right now? The bigger problem could be the fact that they did sign Daryl Henderson over this past week. So, man, in my RB column, I have a handcuff index. I update every single week, and I've been real hesitant to put Jermichael Hasty up there at all. It's similar to me as like Matt Breida with the Giants, where you do see them working as the clear-cut number two behind the starter. You can theoretically get behind them having a three-down you know, skill set. I don't think that we're actually going to see Hasty get 79% snaps in a game where they know ETN is out and they have all their resources at the table. Thoughts on Hasty Henderson. If we find out ETN's out, Dwayne, like who are you going to be writing about in the utilization report as the must add on the waiver wire? Yeah, I mean, the nice thing with Hasty is you know he's solid in the passing game. He always has been. So that's the thing we care about the most. If you're going to be replacing ETN to me, like, and he had a 14% target share today, 19% targets per route run. But to your point, you're probably going to have Darrell Henderson active next week. And I think it's going to really turn into a committee if you don't have ETN. Like, I was already, you know, now this opens the door. Like, if ETN's not 100% and he does play, does it open the door? Like, for them to be like, well, maybe we don't need to give everything to Travis ETN. Uh, maybe we need to work. Like, hopefully that's not the case. But I think to your point, like if I if I had to pick like a back that I was going to pick up on the team, it would be hasty over Henderson just because, look, Henderson, let's be honest, he's been fine, but he's never really been good. Even just, even even when he's been given those large workloads, you and I have talked about that how many times we're like, man, it's like we love it. We'd be talking about the utilization. We're like, he's going to be a top five back and then it would never happen. We're like, how does he not? How does he not post the top five freaking running back performance with all the work? You know, he's had these games where he's gotten all the work. And so I do think that there's probably an overestimation, you know, by some still of how good, you know, Henderson is. But I think it would be a committee if I had to pick between the two. I'm probably still picking up Hasty. But to your point, I think it would be much more of a committee if ETN is not in the if ETN doesn't play. 
I agree. And who do we look for in the multi-back committees? The pass down back, as long as you know they're actually getting somewhat close to even work in the run game, which I do think would be the case here. They signed Henderson. And Peterson, oh, yeah, oh, and Peterson yeah. And when they talked about Henderson as a signing, he talked about him as being really this this downhill early down runner, right? Okay. So I think that's the role they see him in. So I would think if they had to split, you know, he's playing more with what we saw with James Robinson early in the season. And maybe Hasty's taking the role we saw ETN in earlier on in the season. I'm with Dwayne. Give me Hasty moving forward if ETN is going to miss some time. Dud from Christian Kirk. He did get banged up there for a little bit. Didn't look great, but he did return. So that was good to see. Still had nine targets out there on the day. Just couldn't make a ton with them. So he'll see better days out there. Also, shout out to Agnew and Marvin Jones for scoring touchdowns in addition to Hasty on a lovely wheel. Hasty almost had a second touchdown, got down to the one yard line and got stuffed twice. Hate to see that, but did not stop the Jaguars from scoring out there. On the Ravens, oh, actually, final note. My God, Dwayne, that Jaguars mascot. What the hell? Way to take over <laughs> oh Twitter God. with that American Speedo. What a freaking – dude, and the celebrations after that touchdown, man. Just – there are children <laughs> at those games. That's the uh, that's the only thing I'll say about that. All right, on the Ravens side of things. So, on the one hand, Lamar did throw the ball a lot better than the box score indicates. See, only 50% completion rate. They get up to 254 yards in the touchdown. He had a beautiful 62-yard bomb to Deshaun Jackson. I mean, D-Jack's still catching bombs in the year 2022. If that's not a great day to be great, I don't know what is. And this one, though, Lamar, big-time sequence, uh, sequence of the week. That's not even a word. No wonder I can't pronounce it. He tried to run in from six yards out. He got stuffed at the one. Next play, wide open. Mark Andrews in the middle. He dropped it. What did they do next? They handed it off to Gus Edwards for the short touchdown. Also had Josh Oliver drop an 18-yard touchdown. That was a real nice throw by Lamar. We even had James Proche get a 23-yard gain, nullified on a hold. I mean, there was maybe, you could argue, a better ball on Devin Duvernay that could have been a chunk gain down the middle, but even that was a stretch. Usually, I'm coming to you guys in the sheesh uh, section for Lamar Jackson and pointing out the couple misses he had, but we look up at the stat sheet and he has so much rushing production that didn't really matter, and that was the case again here. 89 yards on the ground. He is now on pace for 1,168 yards, five rushing touchdowns on the season. That said, Dwayne, the same stat. I just keep updating week after week. And weeks one through three, he had 12 touchdowns. Weeks four through 12, he only has eight. I know what you're saying. We're not benching Lamar unless you're one of those blessed teams and we have like a healthy Justin Fields and Lamar or something like that going on. I just, I'm skeptical that we're seeing him, that we're going to see him get back to weeks one through three Lamar when we don't have reinforcements coming in this passing game with all due respect to 35-year-old Deshaun Jackson out there. So again, it's just one of those things where I rank Lamar as I think QB8. QB nine this week. And it didn't feel that bad because it's still been since week three that we've seen him finish better than the QB 10. Maybe he gets there after this one. So I, you know, I don't want to just be a straw man being a dead horse, whatever you want to call it here, but any concern here on the Ravens? Cause again, it's just Lamar. We're not seeing the same ceiling with Mark Andrews. And if that just means it sucks, so be it. And we'll, we'll move on then, then so be it. But any hope for Andrews and Jackson really booming here down the stretch. Yeah, I think Andrews is going to be fine. Like, if somebody's panicked about it and for some reason your league doesn't have a trade deadline, like, I would trade for both of these players. Like, Lamar Jackson, I mean, look, 89 yards rushing today. Like, that's really all you need to know. Like, that's the cheat code for fantasy. So it doesn't really matter. Like, he's going to be most likely top six, top eight quarterback the rest of the way. And if he starts scoring rushing touchdowns, like, he's going to, we're going to suddenly look up and be like, oh, wow, Lamar Jackson's number three. 
oh, wow, Lamar Jackson had a QB1 finish. It's the same thing that we went through with Justin Fields for a period early in the season, and everybody hated him, you know, and then all of a sudden, oh, now we all love Justin Fields. Like, he just, he has the skill set to do it. Like, the Ravens, they've got problems. Yes, like, you know, we talked about it last week. Demarcus Robinson probably was fool's gold. Like, it's just a guy that's never been able to demand a lot of targets for his career, had several good weeks was looking solid. And so Robinson was a guy that, you know, had scored some fantasy points and was helping, you know, Lamar Jackson a little bit. But at the time we didn't have Mark Andrews. So I was hoping maybe Robinson could prove us wrong and you get, you know, Mark Andrews back healthy these last two weeks. If Robinson could keep doing something, Deshaun adds a little something to the mix, then maybe there would be enough weapons. But when I look at it, like you still have Mark Andrews, dude. Like, so he still has a weapon. Um, I just think Lamar needs to be healthy running the football and we'll see what happens. You know, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But like, we know what the ingredients are that you have to have. Do we wish he had better targets? Yeah. Like I totally wish Rashad Bateman was still healthy. Like, I mean, I wish he had another receiver like Marquise Brown that they trade away, but he, but he doesn't. And we've seen other quarterbacks though, overcome this kind of stuff too, that run the ball a lot. You know, we've seen guys without a lot of weapons around them still score highly in fantasy points. We just need we just need the rushing touchdowns from Lamar. Like if he scores one rushing touchdown today to go with what he had, we have a twenty eight point performance. He gave us a twenty two point one today. So that's the biggest thing that I see. Last note here: the backfield. We did have Gus Edwards back in action. I wasn't sure how much he was going to be out there because there was some uh, one of those rare uh, rap sheet versus Schefter battles with some conflicting information <laughs> yeah. going on uh, with that one. Did end up playing 51% of the snaps, but more importantly, because we're always going to see them dividing the snaps up between three guys, 16 of the 19 running back carries went to Gus Edwards in this one. Ravens were dead last coming into this game and targets the running back. So, you know, I'm sure we'll get a report in the summer, Dwayne, about how much they love using J.K. Dobbins in the past game because they tell us that every <laughs> uh, summer. And maybe that will be the case one of these years if Dobbins is healthy and back to his normal self. I know he is going to be eligible to come off IR, so... Assuming he is out of the picture, at least for next week, Gus Edwards, to me, this is very similar to Latavius Murray and similar to um, Deontay Foreman. Maybe not the exact same snap splits, but we're looking at a player with a chance to get 15 plus carries during any given week. Now the floor is very low because in his case, we could see Lamar, Mark Andrews, whoever takes some of those red zone touchdowns, like some of the other guys are just going to struggle to get those scoring opportunities in the first place. But at a minimum, 15 plus carries and an offense for a running back that doesn't know how to do anything other than average five yards per carry. That's going to be a top 30 option more weeks than not. Yeah. And I think that that's a perfect summary. I mean, you know, he's not going to do a lot in the passing game, but we know they're committed to running the ball and he's going to get, you know, I think like this, the floor for him right now is probably 11, 12 carries, you know, and that would be a bad game script, right. And a really good game script, you know, like today, you know, it can be 16, 17 carries. So, in the middle, I'd say 13, 14 carries a week, like is what you can probably expect, you know, from Gus Edwards. Before we move on to the afternoon slate, I want to give a quick shout out to some of our lovely sponsors out there. The PFF Fantasy Football Podcast is sponsored by Western Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, plan to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow. Western Southern's Playbook of Life Insurance, Investment, and Retirement Solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. 
Also got to give love to our friends over at Manscaped, even if we're doing it on behalf of Ari. So this holiday season, I'll be giving thanks to our friends over at Manscaped. Everyone loves turkey and stuffing, but you'll be looking like dessert. With the help of Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming have blessed you with the ultimate Thanksgiving dinner topic. Tell your in-laws, I guess we'll go Christmas here, tell your in-laws about new cutting-edge ball trimmer and get yourself or the man in your life the ultimate men's gene men's hygiene bundle trim your pumpkins and save 20 percent off and free shipping by going to manscaped.com and use code pffre save 20 percent off and free shipping by going to manscaped.com and use code pffre that's right be thankful this holiday for the best gift of all from manscaped your balls will thank you and as always we gotta give some love to our friends over at sleeper finally won that damn pff fantasy league i hate talking about but have to because i do love sleeper and appreciate them representing the pub took down boss man george how about that if you're listening george you know sucks to suck man should have had a better fantasy team and we got exposed out there so love getting that w and yeah just overall as we always do on the sunday night our sleeper segment is looking at any potential last second guys you need for monday night football so we are going to have a potential sneaky shootout more likely a complete dud on both sides with the colts and steelers facing off we got pickens we got deontay johnson out there for pittsburgh it is going to be interesting if we see anyone emerge behind them as that number three wide receiver. I know Frymouth, I know Najee Harris are going to be continuing to get theirs, but it just, that was always the weird thing for me with Chase Claypool leaving the picture. They just didn't have another guy ready to step up. Maybe Calvin Austin in the future, but he remains on IR. So at least for last week, we had Steven Sims working ahead of Gunnar Olszewski. If you want to get wild, though, always doing with the double dip, go with the Pittsburgh Steelers defense and Gunnar out there on the showdown slate. Things could be worse. So if you do need a, you know, complete stopgap fill-in for the game, I would, you know, say you're probably screwed, but keep an eye out for Alec Pierce. There are some leagues, even that Dwayne and I are in, highly competitive, 12-team leagues leagues with big buy-ins and I have seen Pierce still floating around on a few of those waiver wires so the Steelers defense one of those that I think we will see more good days than bad moving forward now that they finally have healthy versions of TJ Watt and Mika Fitzpatrick out there that said we're still looking at a bottom three defense on the season and PPR points per game allowed to those wide receivers so far it's been Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman getting most of that production but Pierce remains one of those guys you see popping up in that unrealized air yards leaderboard don't be shocked if he gets going Going in a big way on Monday Night Football, at least with one or two big hitters. So once again, shout out to Sleeper. And with that, back to the show. Raiders took down the Seahawks 40 to 34, covering as four point dogs over cash at 48. All thanks to one man and one man only, Josh freaking Jacobs. 303 total <laughs> yards in this one, per my guy, Roto Pat, Patrick Dottery over there at NBC Sports. That is only the 11th time in NFL history that someone has cleared 300, just the sixth time this century. First guy to do it since Julio Jones blew up back in week four of 2016. So, Josh Jacobs now leads the NFL in rushing yards. He has a league-high 63 missed tackles, 2,293 yards. That's his total yardage pace after 12 weeks of action. So just incredible, Dwayne, for a guy that, you know, admittedly hates fantasy football. But guess what, Josh? That, that won't stop us from loving you if you did happen to draft him, which unfortunately I did not do nearly enough back in August. But hopefully you bought him when we said that he was a solid by low candidate back in week three or whenever that was. So he's really, dude, man, he, yeah. he's, he's the, he is the league winner yeah. like of all of anyone in fantasy football this year. Like he's clearly like the, he's the guy this year and people were getting him 
in the sixth and seventh rounds. I know eighth rounds of drafts. I mean, it's it's insane. Like how how much value there is with this guy. And I mean, nobody wanted him. Nobody wanted Josh Jacobs. I don't know of an analyst that said Josh Jacobs was going to be great. Was and there not did, one? Honestly, was there not one running back in New England over the past decade that like McDaniel's wanted to just give a decent role to? That's just the only part I don't get of this. Equation. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't get it either. I think the biggest thing is like we're talking about Amir Abdullah and Brandon Bolden. I don't know, but yeah, yeah. I'm with you. But nobody wanted Josh Jacobs. Um, you know, and so it's just that reminder that you know, I mean, he is a former first round capital guy. Like he is a guy that we've seen play at a really high level in the past. Had a little bit of a down year last year, but. Just something, you know, it's it's one of these guys like it was it was silly, Ian, that we ever got to the point where AJ Dillon was going ahead of this guy. Tony Pollard, as much as we love him, and Pollard's had some big games here lately. Tony Pollard should have been drafted ahead of Josh Jacobs. Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I just look back at it now, and we have some really good teams together. Imagine them with Josh Jacobs on. I know. Like they would be unstoppable every night. I do Dwayne every night. And it's going to be really, we're, we've been fortunate. Like our teams are really good. Like most of our teams will probably make it in the playoffs, but it's going to be hard to beat the team that has Josh Jacobs. Like, because you got him in the sixth or seventh round. And if you drafted well ahead of him, and then now he's like that on a lot of teams, like Josh Jacobs is a flex player. <laughs> so, I mean, cause where you were drafting him. So it's, uh, it's an amazing story, and he is the dude this year, like the absolute steal of the entire fantasy football draft. Man, like, again, I've already said several times this podcast, different places where I'm wrong. I don't think we – again, it was the whole industry. Dwayne, where is the person that was like Josh Jacobs is the league winner this year? I, I just pulled up Roto World. No, and there's, some of there's the, not one. I mean, that's – but it's, it's just, just funny, like, how man. we can – and sometimes the, as much as we research these things, just, you know, stuff happens. You know, I mean, and this is one of those things. That's what makes it so interesting. Like, I can't tell you for sure that there's a big takeaway other than we've seen multiple years in a row, like some of these guys that have been former, you know, first round picks all of a sudden, boom, the year before it was Leonard Fournette, you know, James Conner. Now he was a second or third round pick, Um, you know, James Conner last year. And I, I went back and I was looking back at a lot of these guys that end up booming and we let them slide down the draft board. Now, injuries usually come into play to opening the door for those. Josh Jacobs has just kind of taken the role, but almost all of them were former first-round picks. So, like, the talent profile was definitely there. It's something we can look at more in the offseason. I don't know for sure that there's a huge takeaway with Josh Jacobs, but it's definitely fascinating. No, it's, it's similar to, I think, the Antonio Gibson takeaways, where he has had some quality weeks, where when you have a running back that you know – I don't want to overuse the theoretical three down RB idea, but we've known Jacobs can do all three facets of the game at a high mm-hmm. level. And that's what we're seeing this year. But I'm just laughing because I pulled up his Roto World uh, news page and like, here are the three blurbs in the middle of August. You know, August 8th, Raiders head coach Josh McDaniel said the team is not trying to trade Josh Jacobs. That's where the media's mind was at after that Hall of Fame game. August 12th, SI reports that Amir Abdullah is expected to play the James White role, and he has been a camp revelation. And then two weeks later, Paul Gutierrez, ESPN, and I'm sure Paul was working with the best information he had, but the expectation was he was going to be a committee with Abdullah, Zamir White, and Brandon Bolden. And again, looking back at what McDaniels had done in the past, hey, whatever, Josh Jacobs, (laughs) hell of a game, hell of a season. 
not too, uh, not too much else going on here. I mean, he was even banged up. Like he got real questionable at the end to come back. We know he was a late week addition on Friday and it just didn't matter at all in the usage. So Josh Jacobs, fantastic game and really prohibited any of the other Raiders from doing too much out there. Foster Moreau could have had another 20 yard game, but it got overthrown. Devontae Adams had another 20 yard potential game got skipped in but yes just really it was the josh jacobs game here on the seattle side of things still 34 points and got it done even with kenneth walker having another dud in terms of efficiency luckily did find the end zone twice so wasn't too much of an issue at all that said just 43 rushing yards on his last 24 rush attempts Dwayne, i was a little bit worried seeing travis homer and dj dallas combined for four targets only one for kenneth walker but Looking at that 71% snap rate for Kenneth Walker, it looks like this was just a little bit bad luck in the passing game. He still is their fairly undisputed three-down workhorse. Is that what you saw, or was there any changes coming out of the bye? No, I mean, he's been giving away, you know, on long, down, and distance. He's playing some of it, right? And he's played some of the two-minute offense as well. He did give away some of that today, but he still had a 62% route participation. That's really good. And so that number continues to hang in there. So on first and second down, they're finding a way to get him out into the passing routes. Um, didn't have that many targets today, but yeah, I think he's fine. Um, you know, his first touchdown run like was just, you know, typical like just great run so by sick. Kenneth Walker. It was so good. Dude, like, it was like the first or second play they had. I thought he was yes. about to go for 400. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Me too. I, yeah, after seeing the first play, I didn't think there was any way that he'd finish up with 26 yards, but he also had one carry that was minus 13 by itself. So, it, he got stuffed immediately as soon as the ball was handed to him. I don't know if you saw this play. And then, you know, and, and, you know, typical Kenneth Walker fashion, he's kind of like doing the Barry Sanders thing. He's like still on his feet and he's like, okay, I'm going to make this happen. And he just takes off running all over the place. He ends up losing 13 yards on the play. Not that it would have helped a ton, but it would have been 39, would have been 14 carries for 39 yards. Right. If not for that, for that play. Final notes here on the Seahawks. Gino did find his way to get to 328 yards and a pair of touchdowns. So even in the, you know, quote unquote, disappointing performance, and we now see the Seahawks slipping down to six and five, maybe being a little bit more like the middling team we expected coming in this year. Good to see that even if they are regressing in terms of wins and losses, we're still seeing them put up some fantasy friendly numbers. Both Metcalf and Lockett had solid days at the office. 15 targets for DK Metcalf. Caught 11 of them for 90 yards. Lockett had 68 yards and a tutty in his own right. Could have been a little bit bigger. Did drop one of those moon balls down the sideline. That could have been good for another 30 or so yards. What I found interesting, though, on the season, Metcalf has 92 targets, 59 catches, 671 yards, four touchdowns. Lockett, 73 targets, 19 fewer targets, yet he only has two fewer catches. He actually has 38 more yards, and he has two more scores. So it's one of those things, Dwayne, where like Lockett, we look at the guys like we're picking Metcalf over Lockett a million times out of a million if we're playing playground football, but Lockett's been better this year and we just need to, you know, we're starting both of them. So it's kind of a moot point, but Tyler Lockett, my God, he, people owe him some apologies for thinking this dude was a product of Russ. My goodness, Dwayne, but yeah. Playing anything great. Else, anything playing else to add in the Seahawks? No, no, but I do think like this was a good game for Geno, despite, you know, from a fantasy perspective, you know, look, it's really hard. Not very many quarterbacks right now are able to put 300 yards passing up, especially the pocket passers. And that's really what Geno is like. Is Brady doing that? No, Brady's not doing that. Two is really the only other pocket passer out there because Mahomes moves around a lot more. Right. So, I mean, I'm not necessarily saying Mahomes is a scrambler, but like he's got that ability to move all over the place. He can take off. He will run. Um, Gino will do a little bit of that, but like he's really more in the pocket passer mold. 
there's hardly any of them that are throwing for 275 plus yards per game this year. Passing is down, and Gino is one of the few that's still doing it. And so that's really good for DK Metcalf and Lockett. But yeah, DK, 43% target share today, 17% for Lockett. Yeah, Lockett's been very efficient, but D DK's also just due, man, for like a monster game. If he has these targets like this, if it can ever just like all the way click. He still caught 11 of them, but it was only for 90 yards. That's kind of a weird stat line for DK Metcalf, right? We're right. used to you know seeing him six catches for 90 yards. And we see 11 for 90. And I saw a lot of that game because I was watching Red Zone and it was on quite a bit. And so there was a lot of shorter stuff, you know, today to DK, to DK. His A dot was eight was an eight yard A dot, and and Lockett was more the downfield guy with a thirteen. Another game that ended on the final two point conversion: Chargers twenty five, Cardinals twenty four. Cardinals did cover as two and a half point home dogs over Cash, just barely forty eight and a half. I'm sure there were some great sweats out there on that final two point conversion there on the Chargers side of things. I mean, my God, Dwayne, you said it best uh, in one beer. Always great tweets that people can find at Dwayne McFarlane over on the cool old Twitter sphere. But yeah, the zero wide receiver, uh, you know, zero running back rosters that drafted wide receiver Austin Eckler in the first round looking awfully good at this point 15 targets out there he caught 11 of them for 60 yards and a touchdown who cares he only had five carries again targets are worth so much more in fantasy than carries especially in full ppr historically you need 2.7 carries to equal the expected fantasy points of even one target on pace this year to catch 124 passes. I mean, Eckler just continuing to absolutely ball out. Almost had a second touchdown, got open in the back of the end zone from eight yards out. Herbert just skipped it in. So focusing more, I think, on the more actionable stuff here. Again, great game from Justin Herbert. Three passing touchdowns for the first time since week two. Went out there, won the game when it mattered. Again, you see why everyone lost the dude. Yeah, you can bring up his career wins-loss record, but watch the freaking dude play football. I think anyone can agree he has a bright future, and he's already been making plenty of great plays in his young career. The wide receiver room, though, we thought we had it kind of figured out. Dwayne Keenan Allen back being the alpha, that's fine. But again, three of the last four weeks, really great games from Joshua Palmer. Not so fast, my friend DeAndre Carter comes in. 10 targets, 7 catches, 73 yards, and a score. Now, we did have Gerald Everett back in this game as well, so I think seeing Palmer go down from his double-digit targets to seven isn't the biggest deal, but did we see anything usage-wise to expect you know, a downgrade in the future for Joshua Palmer as long as Mike Williams uh, remains out? And did we see Keenan Allen get back to a full-time role? Because, again, I'm just trying to figure out how DeAndre Carter led this freaking offense yeah. in receiving this week. It's just it's just one of those things that happens. You know, uh, Carter was the third receiver today. Josh Palmer had 100% of the route participation Keenan Allen had a 93% route participation and DeAndre Carter, Carter had an 84%. Um, so it just sometimes works out that way. You're in a pass heavy offense. They dropped back to throw the ball 83% of plays today. Like, so think of some of the other teams we've talked about today that dropped back to pass 30%, 83% of the time today. Um, so a lot of pass attempts and that's, and that's what we've seen from the chargers offense. Like they're going to throw the ball a lot. Um, so, but from Keenan's perspective, it does look like he's fully healthy. 16% target share today. Like, that's not something that I think you're going to see all the time. Still ended up with seven targets, five catches, 49 yards, and a touchdown. I think Keenan will have a big game coming. You were still fine. You got 15.9 PPR points out of Keenan Allen today. So there's quite a few receivers out there that scored less than that. Like Palmer, I just felt he was kind of due to regress. Like, yeah. he hasn't really been a – he's he's been playing better, to your point, the last several weeks. So we'll see what happens from here, but I, his role is not in any sort of danger. Like he was out there plenty. So if you believe in Josh Palmer, 
and you don't have Mike Williams out there next week, like he's going to be a guy you should just start again. Um, I will say real quick, last thing on the Chargers that I have here, I'll mention Gerald Everett first. We've talked about this with him all year for whatever reason. Like they just don't, they rarely give him the 80% route participation, only 60% today. I don't get it. Like I don't understand it. It's not like you're asking somebody, it's not like, well, we can't have him out there because we want to run the ball. No, you don't. You don't ever run the ball. So why not just have Gerald Everett out there all the time? Because you got to have Trey McKitty. Trey McKinney now. needs to be on the field. <laughs> you beat me to it. Today. <laughs> 60% route participation for Everett. And then the last thing I'll mention with the Chargers, we didn't know for sure what would happen. We knew Joshua Kelly was coming back this week. We've talked about Isaiah Spiller over the last several games, really kind of taking over that number two role behind Austin Eckler, which made him a guy that, you know, if you had room in a deep league, you could just throw Spiller on the bench. We would see what would happen once Kelly came back. They really split that. So 18% of the rushing attempts went to Josh Kelly. 18% went to Isaiah Spiller. So we don't really have, uh, you know, because Spiller had kind of elevated himself well past Sony Michelle over the last couple of games. And actually, Joshua Kelly saw slightly more snaps, 21% to 12%. So it does look like, and you've mentioned this before, that it probably would be a committee if something happened to Austin Eckler. So just a little bit less intrigue, you know, in the, in the backup now in this backfield. We were just kind of hoping maybe we would see Kelly come back and it would still just be Spiller. And we would know he would be the guy if Eckler went down. That's just not the case. On the other side of the ball, Kyler Murray, one of his best games of the year. Probably got to go all the way back to that Raiders performance to find a game where he looked as, you know, dominant as he did here for stretches. 56 rushing yards and a score on the ground. I mean, they were designing stuff for him really from the first drive of the game. So good to see him just fully back to full health. And yeah, he's Kyler Murray, even if he's not going to be flirting with the sort of Josh Allen overall QB one ceiling that to be fair, he has shown for stretches of past years. Even if those good days are potentially gone this year, still someone that even during his struggles during the first eight, nine weeks of the year, you looked up, you looked up and he was still a top eight fantasy quarterback. He did start getting his weapons back here. Marquise Brown, six catches, 46 yards. Of course, DeAndre Hopkins continues to do king shit, man. You look at this now, one, two, three, six straight games. Now Hopkins has been out there, 103 yards, 159 yards and a touchdown. His dub was 36 yards and a touchdown. That was the game where he should have had two if Robbie Anderson knew how to stay still on the freaking snap. <laughs> 98 yards, 91 yards again in this one, 87 and a touchdown. So, Dwayne, I guess the only question is, how concerned are you that Marquise Brown came back and did work ahead of Hopkins from a target standpoint? Now it was those two together at the top. Hollywood had eight Hopkins had six. Nobody else had more than three. So I can live with that, but we could see Rondale back after the bye. Do you think Hopkins has played his best ball or are we just looking at an every week upside wide receiver one? I tend to think it's the latter, man. He looks honestly better after the catch this year than he did last year. I said it once. I'll say it again. I want whatever PEDs this dude was on last year because clearly they worked. Yeah, no, I don't think there's any worry with Hopkins. I, I, I think, I mean, when you have another guy like Marquise Brown that we know can demand, you know, big target shares as well. Obviously, it makes it a little bit more dangerous. The thing, the main thing, you know, today is we saw the team only drop back to pass 52% of the time. Really, the Cardinals have had to be pass heavy, but they actually led a lot in the game today, and it allowed them to be more balanced on offense, which ended up not necessarily being a bad thing. It still came through in efficiency. You still had DeAndre Hopkins come through and make a big play, run after the catch to score a touchdown early in the game. So I think they'll be fine. It takes a little bit of edge off of each one of them. Um, I don't think you know, it's, it's going to be tough to be like at a 30% target share every single week, right? When you have another play on your team that can do it. Um, you did also have Rondell Moore out today. So Marquise Brown returned, you know, Cliff Kingsbury said he'd be on a snap count. Cliff Kingsbury is full of shit. 
about everything that he says. Game 97, 97 percent route participation Ooh. today for Marquis Brown. So he basically didn't come off the field. 31 percent target share didn't come through in the box score. 10.6 points. But you should feel really great about that. Now you get the Cardinals with a bye next week. So, you know, he should be super healthy by the time they come back in week 14. And basically the Cardinals have got to win out. Like if they want any, now they play in a division that's, you know, pretty shaky. The 49ers are kind of starting to get rolling. Although we'll talk about them here in a bit. Um, but it's going to be pretty much Brown and Hopkins. We will get Rondell Moore back. He didn't play as well today. So it will be kind of interesting, but we know Zach Ertz is out for the year, but I would expect it to be Brown and Hopkins as the top two guy, they may rotate kind of back and forth each week. And then, you know, you'll have a sprinkle of Rondo Moore. Trey McBride was out there with a 71% route participation. That is encouraging. He had a 12% target share today, which wasn't bad, but it's just tough to really think that there's going to be a lot left for Trey McBride. Like once you have Rondo Moore as well, you got Rondo Moore, Marquise Brown, DeAndre Hopkins, and James Connors, not a zero in the passing yeah. game today. He had a 12% target share. Um, I'll end with him. And then you can say whatever you want about the Cardinals, but man, James Connor, like in in the last several games, you kind of got to throw out the end of last game because they were getting blown out and they just pulled him off the field. Like nobody has better utilization in the league right now than James Conner. 97% snap rate today. <laughs> like, I don't know if he can hold up to this. It's a lot. It's a huge workload. Um, 81% of the rushing attempts, you know, 97% snap rate. You don't need to hear me say anything else. He never, <laughs> ever, ever leaves the field. He has everything. But 25 carries today, man. 120 rushing yards came through with the receiving touchdown. So James Conner, if you drafted him, it has not been an easy year. You had to wait. But over the last two to three weeks, like he's been a pretty viable fantasy asset. Um, he's looking more like that low-end RB1 now. We talked about moving him into that mid-range RB2 a couple of weeks ago. But I think now at worst, you got to look at him as a low-end. Or sorry, yeah, um, a high-end RB2, low-end RB1 is kind of where James Conner's falling. I know there's the Chargers, but also eye test. I thought this was his best game of the season yes. by far. Really running, you know, violently. Had the nice touchdown catch where he ran through a Kenneth Murray tackle at the goal line. And the usage has not been this high this se- for the whole season, but still pretty damn good, man. Seven non-injured games, combined carries and targets, 16, 18, 18, 12, 24, 19, and 28. So really starting to ramp up after that injury. And I don't think it's a coincidence when – they get rid of Eno Benjamin, allow him to walk to Houston. Daryl Williams goes on the IR. I mean, Keontae Ingram, Dwayne, how confident would you be in him seeing something, maybe not 90, but he's one of those low-key handcuffs out there where, let's yeah. face it, James Conner is healthy right now. I'm knocking on wood. I hope that he remains healthy. We have him on one or two squads out there, hoping to do some big things down the stretch. But, man, if you look at the potential upside handcuffs, because this was one of the articles I'm very happy I did in the summer because it's you know, helped us out with a few of these situations, but the Cardinals and Cliff Kingsbury have been one of these only teams willing to give their starting running back, whoever it is, this sort of hefty workload. So Keontae Engram for the deeper leagues out there, man, worst handcuffs to grab out there. Yeah, for sure. I wrote about him in the, you know, in the newsletter over at fantasy life two weekends ago. I, I wrote about him and Isaiah Spiller. Like that was the too dude. expensive for any of us to read Dwayne. We get that through. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I don't, I'm yeah. I know when things are free, people think they're too expensive, but um, I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, I like him. I, and you just brought it up. I mean, what we've seen, you know, from, you know, Cliff Kingsbury in the past is he is willing to use the next guy. Now Ingram hasn't necessarily looked good, but I don't know that it'll matter. You know, he, he probably, to your point, not quite as much as what we've seen with Connor, 
but I wouldn't be surprised to see 70%, you know, 65% of the snaps go to him. Now, Daryl Williams, I don't think went on season ending IR. So I don't know when he's back. Um, I feel like he might be back in the next week or two. We shall see. Only other note I had in this one, Keenan Allen almost had another touchdown, had only one foot down and bounds from 19 yards out. So truly is looking good out there. He looked pretty good after the catch too, man. Just good to see yeah. some of these veteran receivers here in week 12 looking like their normal dominant selves. Chiefs took down the Rams 26 to 10 covering no, they did not cover. Rams covered at 16 and a half point dogs. The under cashed at 42. So just a ho-hum performance here. I don't think we need to spend too much time on it. It was a down game for Patrick Mahomes. He threw for 320 yards and rushed <laughs> for 36. That's pretty nice when that's a bad game. Did have a terrible end zone interception. But guess what? Like Josh Allen's had a bunch of terrible interceptions this year as well. Good outweighs the bad at a certain point, and I've we've certainly seen Mahomes and Allen clear that bar many times over um, over the years. Similar sentiment here with Travis Kelsey, 57 yards and a touchdown, had the ridiculous tackle breaking, 39 yard score. Mahomes tried to go back to him in the end zone once or twice later, just couldn't quite get there. So I think the one. Okay, two things we need to talk about. First, Isaiah Pacheco, first game of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, completely out of the picture on IR. We did get Ronald Jones active for the first time all season, and it wasn't a ton, Dwayne, but we did see him carve off 15% of the snaps. Now this was a game again, the chiefs won by 16 whenever it was never in too much doubt. I guess the only thing with Pacheco holding him back is the fact that still stands. He had one catch today actually looked pretty smooth doing it. If yeah. I, you know, might add as someone that definitely knows what it looks like to not be smooth. Cause I had to look myself in the mirror all those damn years, Dwayne, but with this backfield Pacheco 22 carries and one target, I don't think he's getting 22 carries every week, but it's on the table. And even if we're getting 15 carries, we're going to see him start to fall into the end zone a little bit as the lead back of the NFL's top-ranked scoring offense, which he finally was able to do today. So Pacheco, unlike Foreman and some of these other early down backs, I am more confident in carving out a place in that low-end RB2 range just because of how good this offense is. Yes, they are the, they were the only offense entering this week being you know over a 70% pass play rate inside the 10-yard line. They even started to dial that back a little bit, though. I mean, my God, what is Andy Reid's deal with these backup tight ends? Like, just give the ball to Pacheco up the middle inside the five and go from there. I know it didn't exactly work on the last drive. It did once, though. But, yeah, overall thoughts on Pacheco rest of the season. Low-end RB2. That seems reasonable. Yeah, he's a low-end RB2. I mean, he plays in the best offense in the league, and he's getting all the carries. I know they like to pass a lot but he's going to be somewhere between 13 and 20 carries a week. Like this was a really good game. You would the 22. I wouldn't expect that all the time. Um, but you know, it's probably going to be right around 16, 17 touches per game in this offense. Like it's valuable. It's val I, I think it's so funny that people think it's not valuable. Like, but they'll go, but they like Deonta Foreman, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I mean, really? Like, and I'm fine. Like fine. They're together, but like, the Chiefs, imagine if, you know, Deonta Foreman played on the Chiefs. Like, I mean, you would like that better. They're basically the same thing, but he's in the better offense. Like, as far as how many touches we could project for them on a weekly basis. And look, you can throw aside the thing, well, the Chiefs are pass heavy. Yeah, but they run more plays. They run more plays overall. So even though they may throw more, if you run more plays and maybe you only run the ball 40%, Carolina can run the ball 60%. And they can still have the same amount of carries. Each guy can have the same amount of carries because one team runs more plays than the other. So I do like Pacheco. I think low-end RB2 you know, is about the range he's supposed to be in. But it could be any week where you're going to get a multi-touchdown game, right? Now, the downside is 
if he doesn't score a touchdown, he's not catching the passes, you know, he's going to give you eight points. So, I mean, there is a, there's a floor there for sure. Now, the other thing is Juju Smith-Schuster. Only yeah. three targets out there. This was his first game back from injury. But when it's a concussion, you clear the protocol. Like, I expect if you're out there that you're back to your full-time role. This isn't like a knee or an ankle or a thing to mess with. So, on the one hand, Dwayne, it was his first game back from injury. Maybe they were easing him back in. But because of the exact injury, that just doesn't make all that much rational sense to me. We continue to see Jody Fordston, Noah Gray, all these multiple tight ends involved. And they seem to go out of their way to go with MVS, Sky Moore, and Justin Watson in the red zone. It sure seems like the Miko Hardman, the Kadarius Tony role has now been passed down to Sky Moore. So what did we see overall from a route participation standpoint with these ever pretty annoying Chiefs wide receivers? Albeit, you know, we will see some nice production out there from time to time. Yeah, Juju was only 44% route participation, but you mentioned the reason. It's because the Chiefs were using the multi-tight end stuff. Even though they continued to remain pass heavy today, it's like they ran their heavy personnel package like a team that would be leading by 16 points. Um, and so you just saw more of Noah Gray, Forts, and Watson. Well, what does Juju do? Juju is the slot receiver. When they go to two wide receiver sets, he's not on the field. This just happens to be the game where they did not use a lot of two wide receiver. Some of it could have also tied back to the concussion. You know, I don't know. But I don't think this is something that we have to worry about long term. I think okay. Juju will still be fine. We'll see him plenty. It's just what happened this week. But it's just a reminder it could happen in any game, like where especially if we think that the Chiefs are going to be and their Chiefs are pretty much big favorites every week. But like in this game, they were huge favorites. So in a, in a team where there's a, com a completely incompetent offense on the other side, we could just have these games where maybe we don't see as much from Juju. Um, and it's not like MVS or these other guys are doing anything. If they're just out there like getting their cardio steps in MVS had a 14% target share. Justin Watson led the team with 78% route participation. He had a 6% target share. So, I mean, Juju technically like is still behind Kelsey. He's the next player that I would want to roster in the offense. You mentioned Sky Moore. He did get 50% of the snaps inside the 10 yard line. He is running that Meikle Hardman role for now, but we could get Kadarius Tony back. Um, I believe this was week two of Hardman being on IR or was this week three? I can't remember Ian. So I think this we're is not three. too far from Hardman coming back as well. So we'll have to recalibrate once that happens. It's just kind of a mess after, after Kelsey, but I think Juju would be the one that we can still have the most confidence in moving forward. Only final notes, MVS did have a play where he got held and almost made this awesome diving catch from 30 yards out. Couldn't quite hold on. Again, did get the penalty anyway. There was a nullified short touchdown to Noah Gray on an ineligible man downfield. The next play, Mahomes overthrew and opened Jody Forston and then had a third miss on the same drive to Jared McKinnon. But unless you're a Patrick Mahomes owner, you probably didn't even care about those near misses. Moving on to that, uh, you know, just incredibly inferior opponent that Dwayne just mentioned. The Rams will be without Allen Robinson the rest of the year per Sean McVay dealing with a foot injury that will cost the rest of what's been an incredibly disappointing season. All but one game at 20 or fewer points for this offense since week two. League worst 4.7 yards per play, which brings me to my question, Dwayne. Can we trust anybody in this offense as a realistic and viable fantasy asset moving forward? No. And what do you bet? Like, are we going to see Matthew Stafford again? Like, there's a good chance we don't see Matthew Stafford again. Like, I, don't, I, I don't really want I, to, to be honest. I, sure. Yeah, I, and I don't know why you would want to put him out there and right. risk anything at this point. I mean, Kyron came through with a 70% snap share today, but, like, does it matter? He gave you nine fantasy points. You know, he's definitely the passing down back. Um, Cam Akers was only out there 30%. 
Um, he had 32% of the rushing attempts. So I mean, maybe if you get to the, you know, week 14 bye week hell, Kyron needs to be your RB2. Maybe in that scenario, you got six teams on bye. You might be able to roll with it. But other than that, no, man, there's not much here. Tyler Higby, uh, you know, reported as an ineligible receiver. I don't know if you can do that, but that's what he was today. <laughs> Ian, 34% route participation. He was back to playing offensive line today. Uh, so you don't have a quarterback. You're not allowed to run routes. Yeah, there, there's nothing here, man. Van Jefferson, he led the team in route participation, 97%, and target share, 29%. So, I mean, if, if you're going to carry a receiver from the Rams, I guess it's Van Jefferson. This is the second week that he's been decent. He had 11.9 PPR points. You're never going to feel good about starting him, though. I know Perkins ran for 44 yards, but we are talking league worst potential ability as a passer it's not good out there and how could it be good it hasn't been good for Stafford wasn't good for Walford I'm just saying as much as you might be able to start to think about Perkins as this veteran fantasy dual threat quarterback that runs around like we'd like them to man if he plays another two bad quarters who's to say John Walford won't be under center and because of how bad the offense is overall we just by and large want nothing to do with it 49ers McVay did you see the hit McVay took oh my gosh bro I'm I'm surprised you didn't get chicken legged on that I mean that was flush on the draw jaw that's a UFC freaking knockout yeah yeah so don't don't try to fight you know McVay you're gonna have to bring it like dude can take a punch dude's got a chin (laughs) my goodness out there 49ers took down the Saints 13 to nothing covering us eight and a half point favorites under cash at 43 and a half. So Dwayne, it was a sad day. Had to go on Twitter and I'd say that CMC has zero straight non-injured slash traded games with a hundred plus yards and or a touchdown, but not so fast. My friend Kyle Shanahan said afterwards that knee irritation happened in today's game. He was testing it out on the sideline and became a part-time player accordingly. Sadly enough, even after Elijah Mitchell did get injured with a knee injury and was forced out of action, likely sprained his MCL. Although it was a different knee than the one he heard in week one, reportedly not as severe per head coach Kyle Shanahan. We once again saw Jordan Mason mixing in with a 13 percent snap rate and six carries McCaffrey led the way with 11 carries and six targets so it was a dud 17 combined carries and targets still pretty decent but hey man these are the types of games that can happen when the elite efficiency and usage isn't quite there for the guy which Dwayne I know you've been awfully vocal about on the old Twitter sphere and over at MB Fantasy Life as being a realistic issue so Look, we're still starting McCaffrey next week and the week after and the week after that. No one's debating that. But in terms of there now actually being a little bit of a low floor here, potentially, that was on the, obviously, what we saw today. So thoughts on McCaffrey's performance and what you think of him moving forward if this usage persists? Well, I mean, if he's healthy and if Elijah Mitchell's out, we may be okay because the one game where we got true, you know, 100% fully unleashed Christian McCaffrey where he went nuts with the 49ers was the week after he, so the first week, you know, he was just learning the playbook, but that next game, he did not have Elijah Mitchell in the way and he went nuts. So maybe there's a chance and, and uh, Tyrion Davis price was available for that game. Jordan Mason was available for that game. Hell, I think Jeff Wilson was available. I don't think Jeff Wilson had been traded yet at that point. So I, I feel like if Elijah Mitchell's out, I don't know that Tyrion Davis-Price is going to get the same treatment. Jordan Mason was the guy that's active today because he plays special teams. But I think Tyrion Davis-Price is now, if you're looking at someone to pick up, like if we hear all of a sudden Elijah Mitchell's going to be out for three weeks or something like that, I do think TDP would be the next guy in line. But I'm not so sure that he that he would keep McCaffrey off the field. Elijah Mitchell's been a good player. 
like Tyrion Davis Price, we don't know. We don't know if he's going to be a good player. So I think this could end up ultimately helping McCaffrey, you know, uh, fantasy managers. Hopefully, you know, you made your way into the playoffs this weekend. I have like seven McCaffrey teams. Um, I don't, I think maybe half of them will make it through. Like this with the points that we got, you know, I got from him today. Like it wasn't enough. Like I've got, I've got a McCaffrey team that me and John Daigle have. And it's funny because Daigle's one of the people being like, man, stop bitching about McCaffrey. And I'm, I need to send him a tweet now, dude, McCaffrey just cost us like a thousand bucks. With the rest of the players out here. I mean, Juwan Jennings scored the offense's only touchdown. So that can just kind of tell you how this went for everybody involved. Good to see Brandon Ayuk, you know, have eight team high, eight targets and get 65 yards. I mean, he continues to show just how damn talented he is. Brandon Ayuk now turning into like the poster child for man, give this dude 150 targets somewhere. It's so frustrating having to see him work behind, you know, several other players who deserve their own targets. Again, we just want all that concentrated volume as possible in fantasy land. Unfortunately, not quite getting it in San Francisco. So duds really all around. I would not expect that to continue more weeks than not. Could have been a bigger game. I mean, Elijah Mitchell had a 32-yard touchdown, nullified on a hold that, to be fair, I do think was a pretty soft call there on George Kittle. And then we also had a play where Jimmy went to Juwan Jennings out in the flat, and they showed him, man, same exact route combination, like Jennings and CMC ran the same thing. And Whatever the read was, Jimmy had to look at Jennings first. So I'm not doubting that he made the wrong read here or anything. Only Jimmy and the 49ers know that. But man, no one even went with CMC on the other side. So could have had a walk-in touchdown. Could have extended my uh, tweet streak out there. But I'm going to call this one injured, and I make the rules. So just deal (laughs) with that moving forward. Not too concerned about another dud from this offense happening this to this degree anytime soon. On the other side of things, again, I've been mad at Andy Dalton in recent weeks, but I don't think this was a performance where it's fair to be all that mad about it. We did have Juwan Johnson drop a touchdown that hit him in the freaking face mask from 12 yards out. Juwan Johnson has scored five touchdowns in his last five games before this, so don't be too hard on the guy, but just realize that happened, and Alvin Kamara caught a short dump off, got down the one-yard line, and then pulled a Melvin Gordon and fumbled that football as well. Lost two fumbles on the day. Just waiting to see Kamara get back in that groove, man. He had the RB1 overall finish in week eight. Since then, has four straight games outside the top 15 running backs. So really, in this offense, man, the top performer from start to finish has been Chris Olave, and he should have had an even bigger game out here. 62 receiving yards. He had a 30-yard catch from Taysom where he took three steps, and then they ruled it incomplete. Yeah, I don't know. what. How does that get overturned? Ridiculous. Yeah. I thought, you know, we had finally cleared up some of the catch stuff and I was feeling better. And then the last three weeks have been terrible. Like, I'm like, what the hell? Like on Thursday, we had the Hunter Henry thing. As was going nuts. Oh, yeah. He should have been. (laughs) I mean, golly. Anyway, so yeah. But Alave is great, man. 32% target share, 50% of the air yards. He's still going to be fine. It's hard to really trust anyone else in the offense besides you're going to use Kamara, right? You're going to play him. He left the game for a little bit at the end of the, at the end of the contest, uh, whenever he, fumbled you know basically at the goal line um you know i don't know if that was a pride injury thing or he really was hurt but he did come back in the game he had a 23 percent target share today so like it was positive for camara you know, he had seven targets six receptions 37 yards um hopefully we'll see some better days from him in the future it was a tough matchup though you're playing the 49ers defense that's pretty much healthy now like we had a three-game stretch or so there where the 49ers were basically missing everyone and they are really healthy at this point so they're just they're a lot to handle um, especially for an offense like the Saints that don't, you know, they're fine, but, you know, it, it's not an offense with, you know, a lot of weapons. 
It's not an offense that is highly creative or anything like that. That's going to really challenge you. It's basically like you said, it's Alave running around doing everything he can and then Kamara doing his thing. Yeah, Kamara, even like Debo Samuel, who had a pretty disappointing one out here. He's dealing, I know, with a hammy injury. Yeah. Saw him getting worked out as well. But they're kind of like down with the ship players, Dwayne. Like, I, it's been disappointing. I get it. But we're starting him no matter yep. what, no matter what. So moving Juwan on. Did, Juwan, I will say, it was his lowest route participation in a while, 54%. I don't know what's going on with that. Um, but you saw uh, just a little bit less work for him today. Final notes here. Sunday night football. Eagles took down the Packers 40 to 33. This was a fun one. The Eagles did manage to cover as six and a half point favorites. The over was 46 and a half, which was done by the end of the first 30 minutes in this game. So Jalen Hurts, just absolute king shit. 157 rushing yards, 153 passing yards. Did throw a pair of scores, one each to AJ Brown and Quez Watkins. So the only uh, only issue I have with this offense is they keep putting Kenneth Gamewell in uh, like inside the 10-yard line, which I don't get. Him or Boston Scott always taking away at least one or two rushing touchdowns. But you know what, man? Beggars can't be choosers. We did see Miles Sanders get back on track in a big way, 143 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Even caught three passes and looked reasonable doing it, which is saying a lot for Miles Sanders. In 2021, he had zero touchdowns on 163 touches. In 2022, eight touchdowns on 179 and counting. So awesome touchdown regression for Sanders this year. But that said, going to continue to be a low-end RB2. Miles Sanders, Isaiah Pacheco, have we ever seen them in the same room? Scholars debate. But just any thoughts, Dwayne, on this Philadelphia Eagles offense? They're awesome. They're awesome tonight. Hopefully you have a lot of them on your fantasy team. Yeah, no, that's it. I mean, we are definitely seeing the Eagles run the ball, you know, a lot more here over the you know second half of the season. Um, but they've also had a lot of leads. Um, so, I mean, that hurts a little bit for the pass catchers. But with Goddard out, I still feel really good about A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. They're obviously still going to have their games. On the other side of the ball, Aaron Rodgers did suffer. First, they called it an oblique injury. It seems like it was a rib injury, though. Obviously, he's been playing through the right thumb issue. Tried to gut it out for a drive. Wasn't quite able to. Jogged to the locker room by the time he came out. He was done for the day. So we did have Matt LaFleur come out and say they're going to get some additional tests done. But, you know, when they were already bringing up to him, what about shutting down Aaron Rodgers potentially? He was saying that, you know, if they are playing football games, they're going to want Rodgers under center. So I get it. It's, you know, this November 28th, they just lost the game. I don't, I'm not going to take that as LaFleur's final answer on the matter. But, Dwayne, I guess that would be the relevant question here because another really good game from Aaron Jones. I mean, he had a 13-yard touchdown run nullified, but before fantasy managers could be done being pissed off, he caught a 23-yard touchdown over the middle. Obviously, a lot better there. So Aaron Jones is great. Guess who's also great? Your boy Christian Watson, uh, who we were talking about for a couple minutes before the show even got started. If we go, though, from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love, who, to be fair, looked good in his last few, you know, opportunities out there today, only played 10 snaps. But, hey, good 10 snaps. That's better than uh, bad 10 snaps. Thoughts on what happens to Jones and Christian Watson if Rodgers is going to miss some time? Yeah, I think for Watson, like, it hurts um, because Aaron Rodgers, you know, even though he hadn't had a great season, they do have a good rapport going. And we know Aaron Rodgers is a guy that can buy time in the pocket and, you know, is willing to push the ball down the field, which is a big asset for Watson. Um, with Love, we just don't know. <laughs> we haven't seen enough to know. But what I will say is this is the style of offense that's like what we've seen with Jacoby Brissett, right? You can run the ball a lot. You can use play action. 
Um, you know, you can get the defense into heavier personnel groupings. You can use, you know, you've been, you can manipulate the defense to get a guy like Christian Watson in behind, you know, those linebackers in front of the safeties, let him do what he did tonight, which catch it, you know, basically catch a, a slant or a dig route. And then, you know, he does the rest on his own. So I don't think, you know, a guy like Christian Watson would totally be, you know, I'm not going to move him down a ton, but I would I would move him down a little bit if we're not going to have Aaron Rodgers. Um, Jordan Love could still surprise us. You know, he could come out and be, you know, a guy like Jacoby Brissett where he gives us 200 to 250 yards passing per game. And to be honest, like that's really all we've gotten from Aaron Rodgers. So I think there's a chance that we would still be, you know, the same. Obviously, I'm going to give it a little bit of a downgrade just because we know Aaron Rodgers is awesome. Like he's a Hall of Famer. We're not going to sit here and say that, you know, a guy that hasn't played in three years is going to be as good as Aaron Rodgers, but it is the right type of offense to be able to bring a guy like Love in and hopefully sustain some of the production. And with that, unless you have anything else to say, Dwayne? No, man. Just no, man. Christian Watson looks great. We love it. You already hit it all, man. Great day to be great. As always, I appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, I know our guy Mojo's in the chat asking about the Thanksgiving games. I did run through some notes at the top of the podcast, so if you missed those, go back over to the start. But, hey, again, going to find all this information on pff.com, MB Fantasy Life. And in the future, I do want to do a uh, better job of getting to the primetime games. I know that's a hole in our coverage sometimes, so apologies to you guys out there. Always looking to improve here on the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast and appreciate you guys tuning in all the time along the way. But, Dwayne, let everyone know where they can find your work, You know how to get the super expensive newsletter you guys are constantly putting out all that more mb fantasy life yeah you guys can find all of my work over at fantasylife.com um you should you should subscribe to the newsletter because as ian mentioned it's very expensive it's free uh so you get it in your inbox every morning and it's a five minute read you get all the latest news from the night before packed with other great information we do a lot around regression you'll get my tiers and rankings in there you'll get utilization nuggets all throughout the week so super super helpful especially if you don't have a ton of time you know to be thinking about it all day which i know you all want to think about it all day we all do we all want to think about it all day so um yeah you can find it all there my tiers and rankings come out you know typically on thursday and the ranks are up as well and we have all sorts of cool twos, tools twos twos what are twos we have a lot of new cool to tools and we're launching new stuff all the time our new game hub came out this last week so you guys be sure to go check that out as well hell yeah great stuff my friend Dwayne, we only got four more of these man 13 14 15 16 no we're not going to be here till 1 30 breaking down stuff ahead of week 18 if you have a week 18 fantasy championship like that's tough i'll you know i'll put the ranks in maybe do a couple articles because gotta do what you gotta do to pay the bills but come on it's like having kickers in your league like you're just asking to be hurt couldn't be me as always, you got all the articles, all the goodness, pff.com, at iHeart. It's at Dwayne McFarland. You guys know how it goes. So with that, for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks so much for tuning in the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.